This episode is brought to you by the following patrons. Cody, Ali, Jeremy, Mr. Ragebomb, Alex, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Bo Easy, Lauren, Wes, Dreskel, Libby, Aaron, Jonathan, Tia, Danielle, Amy, Dave, Scott, Kate, Isaac, and Karoon. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out daily. I had a maid service come over and give me an estimate today to come twice a month and like to clean my house. And right. then they're going to like change the sheets every time and stuff too. You should change your sheets more than twice a month, but go on. Not if you're just living alone in your bed. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to call that maid service and be like, I need you tomorrow. I had sex last night. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you had your own dating show. I mean, okay, I'm back around. Yeah, right. You guys are hosting, right? You yes, too, Paige I and I are hosting. Alone. But I want to know what totem I would be putting out the flame on when someone got voted off. Oh, it's a dumpster? Like a little... <laughs> it would be a small dumpster fire. We could just call the show the dumpster fire. Your dumpster is out. Like we just instead of like going and putting it out, we just close the lid on it. Like it just <laughs> Your dumpster fire is no longer worth it. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. It's the show sells itself, guys. Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week we watched No. Nope. Nope. We decided to pick famous movies this month that just came out. Well, it's new release month. Yeah. I've enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Yeah. So did you all see this in the theaters? I saw this in IMAX because it was shot in IMAX opening weekend. Have you seen it since then, Paige? Because that was a while ago. I watched it today. Nice. I'm so jealous. Yeah, we got our hands on a screener copy, so I watched it today. Fuck. I wanted to watch it again just because I saw it in the theater on Friday night, and Mm -hmm. I wanted to refresh myself for the episode today, but... I uh, didn't want to pay $20 to rent it, so I did not do that. But I do feel like I remember it pretty well. Yeah, for sure. This is going to be... Okay, Uh, this is a little embarrassing. I I, uh, didn't watch the movie. I streamed the movie. Oh, did you? Okay, good. I've never not watched the movie. (laughs) I don't think. I don't think I've ever done that. And if I did it, it it's before Paige was a host. So I feel good about that. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Just because I would relentlessly mock you for it. (laughs) I feel like no matter what we do, you will relentlessly mock us. But I also sort of love that about us. (laughs) I think one time I should just set the bar low and be like, I watched this two years ago. And then just. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I watched this opening night. This movie came out in 97. Yeah. Have you seen it since then? Absolutely not. I was there. (laughs) Yeah, I was 12. (laughs) Like to formally apologize for not knowing the French word for beaver. (laughs) Oh, that was that was so great, though. Like, I can't believe the director of Prey like responded to (laughs) us, both you and I on uh, Twitter uh, about our episode on it. And he actually like listens to it. I was blown away that he listened to it. And then that he said it was a lot of fun and that we were hilarious. And uh, I don't know if he said anything about you, Mikey, but you can go back and reference those tweets if you want. Ooh, yeah, that's this one hurts deep. (laughs) Well, you also didn't comment on the thread. If I was him, I would just, I would just like, 
click to the middle of a podcast and then like comment on that and be like, yes, at, at 57 minutes, you did say that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. They're like, he's got timestamps and everything. <laughs> Motherfucker's got receipts. <laughs> receipts. But he did correct us. So we should issue a correction. Pages correction corner. At the end of Prey, he he doesn't. He says, I like dog. It tastes better than beaver. Not I like the dog. I would like to let it go. So like, yeah, very different. <laughs> yeah, because he wants to eat the dog. Well, you know what they say. Bitches and beaver go together. But uh, oh, geez. <laughs> oh, who says that? The French. <laughs> the French. But also, I would like to say that for not having taken French for 15 years, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, <laughs> like I, that, that was the only thing I fucked up. I think you crushed it, Paige. But I mean, <laughs> Thank you. honestly, Thank you. to get corrected from the director of the movie, like that's sort of still high praise. I was like, yeah, if anyone yeah. knows, it's that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and he did not put French subtitles in the film. So you know what? He's a little nitpicky on this. Oh yeah, this is a little on Dan. No, it's fine. I, I will accept that <laughs> correction. And now I know the French word for beaver. So education. And honestly, learning. when we start doing live shows over there, that's going to become important for mikey so like yeah it's good that one yep. of us know that word yeah and we should learn the word for cougar but let's talk about this movie specifically for sure mikey. sure sure this is nope so hot right now we got to talk about this oh it's yeah. so hot so what did you guys think about nope do me last because i have like a whole theory heard that before <laughs> what do you last yeah there's no way you've ever had multiple options of people to do mikey on a list of one <laughs> they are both the first and last the alpha and the omega if you will <laughs> I feel like we're going to have fun this stuff. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. <laughs> I think I enjoyed this better than any other movie he's done. Oh, wow. Really? Okay, cool. Interesting. And I think it's like he made a B movie, and I really liked it like that. And then I also liked, he does say a lot of interesting stuff about like trauma and like defining your identity on it. And then like, Oh, it's it, there's some interesting say, things to say about that and I think I feel like he did some interesting stuff I want to watch it again it's way better on a second watch I think the creature design was super interesting oh, I thought so the whole cool. concept of a flying saucer just being a, a creature that eats people is being super interesting yeah. yeah I thought it was decently scary I, I thought it was beautifully shot I know it's a long movie but I feel like the pacing was a little bit better than uh us. us yeah and i and i think i just liked it more as a coherent story overall than the us and um get out though get out's really good it doesn't top get out for me i think it does for me because i really like flying saucer movies and that goes back to when i was like a kid i can see that though this movie is more there's more action in this than in get out like mm -hmm. i could definitely see mikey liking this more and also it is a solid b movie plot like space yeah. ufo creature feature hello mm -hmm. let's do this like that sounds amazing yeah, yeah. and it kind of gives them some leeway of like why didn't they call the authorities and they're like oh but we want to get famous off of this and I was yeah like, oh this is a terrible plot but i love it let's do this <laughs> this is a terrible plot but definitely people would do this or try to do this yeah like, i yes. didn't find I think it, it says unbelievable a lot about where we are yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i will also say that the pacing gets better on a second viewing where mm -hmm. i found this kind of slow the first time and then re-watching it it flowed a lot better for me I didn't find it slow when I watched it, but there were scares in this that really scared me. Like the slow scares that were really just the kids in the barn, that scared the shit out of me. Like the antlers with like the shit oh. draping <laughs> off of it and then them slowly just walking towards the camera until he punches one of the kids in the face. Like I was so freaked it's out. It's the scariest that. part of the movie. It is. It is the scariest part of the movie. But I thought the metaphor was cool. Loved it. I'm sure Paige will talk about it. I know you have a whole theory on it. To me, it felt like 
how Hollywood will literally chew you up and spit you out and move on to the next person. And if you don't like pay attention to it, it has no power over you. And that is, I think, just like one of the layers in here, which I really get into. Like, I think that's cool as shit. But Mikey also like defining yourself by your trauma. There's definitely some of that in here. So like, I really like how Jordan Peele like layers in metaphors in his movies but i really love i think this is the first ufo movie i've seen where the ufo wasn't not there's not little people in it flying it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because normally in a ufo movie there's like aliens and aliens is the scary thing yeah it's like what's inside it yeah, but yes. a, a UFO eating you is a, is a terrifying concept, oh, right? Because yeah. normally in UFO movies or alien movies, we should call them, you're worried about going into the the UFO, like get, being taken there, right? Or them coming out. Yes. Yeah. War yeah, of the absolutely. Worlds has some eating people stuff in it, but the you know it's more science fictiony than horror. Yeah. yeah, is War of the Worlds tour? Well, the the Spielberg one. Oh man, I the would Spielberg love to do that one, one is fucking terrifying. Yeah, I, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, in we theaters. should do that. It's sci-fi action. But Mikey, you're right. I feel like of all the three movies that he has like written directed, Us is his weakest, but still a good movie. And then for, yeah. for me, I honestly haven't seen Get Out recently enough to be able to like educatedly put it in a place. But gut reaction after seeing Nope two days ago, I'd put it first because I think it is more actiony, more like B-movie plot, which is more fun, I think. Get Out is probably the better movie. But it's not as fun as this yeah. one was. Get Out's a better film. Yep. This was more fun to watch for me because it's like more epic and the body counts are high and there's people screaming and scary stuff. Spaceships. I love all that stuff. <laughs> the UFO creature gets exploded by a big boy balloon and that is love it. dope as shit. I watched this in a packed theater and there was a bunch of kids behind us. Like a lot of like high school kids to the point where you're like, oh, they're never going to shut up during the movie. Like they were so loud beforehand. It was terrible. And then when the movie came on, not a peep from them. Like they were super quiet. That's probably because they had a Mikey in their friend group because in high school I'd be like, <laughs> if you talk during the movie, I will beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. But when it blew up, one of them went, hell yeah. Like loud (laughs) And everyone just started laughing It was very very funny But I mean the movie itself Like it's not portrayed as funny You're like oh thank god it's dead But like oh, I was here for that death I I love the main main actor from Get Out in this or whatever Daniel Kaluuya Love love that guy I think he does a a fantastic job in this film Of like taming the beast or whatever Like his whole like Taking those skills that his dad taught him and use it in this situation is like so interesting. Well, that's the whole point of the movie. Oh, I know, but I mean, like, I really like that. I, 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 I like that the characters have such rich backstories that no one feels two dimensional. If that yeah. makes sense, which I think is missing in a lot of horror movies. That is not hard to write into a script. I mean, it's I guess it's more challenging because a lot of people don't do it. But like every character in this film had like nuanced backstory, and I love that. Yeah, even Stephen Wen, who I feel like doesn't have a big part in this movie i feel like i understand why he's doing what he's doing his motivation like he is not just like a on again off again like character that just pops into scenes and doesn't have a unique voice or anything like he's not in this movie as much as like the main main characters but i feel like i understand his motivation and why he's doing things also man those ape scenes those fucking terrified me like not even just like the ape losing his mind every time the balloon pops but like the tension as it's walking towards Stephen Yuen's character like when he's a younger guy right when he's like a yeah yeah the child actor man I was like squirming in my chair and covering my face and it was 
terrifying like this movie even though i would say is a good movie it is scary man like this movie messed with me but Paige, what did you think about it what's your theory on it okay so i find it really interesting that neither of you talked about the main theme and thesis of this film and and one that jordan peele has like admitted to wildly i haven't read any articles i try to come in i read some but i didn't want to like step on your toes you know what i'm saying the theme of this film is man versus nature specifically like that is the thesis statement of this film of you cannot tame a predator man cannot control what is wild which (laughs) brings me to my theory because if you know anything about writing in general uh, you might be familiar with the five different types of conflict, man versus self, man mm-hmm. versus man, man versus nature, man versus society, and man versus the supernatural. Yes, I live a life of man versus himself. We know, Mikey. We watch <laughs> it every day. If you look at Peel's filmography, you can identify at least two others. So man versus self, us. You're literally fighting the same person as you, your clone. Man versus society, racism and get out. Man versus nature, nope. Which means what is either man versus self or man versus man? Because us could be either one. And what is man versus the supernatural? What are his next two? Like when I walked out of the theater realizing that this was purely a man versus nature movie and thought back through the other two, I was like, what are his next two? Like, what is he doing for the next two? Like, what's the supernatural one? What's the other one? Or do you classify Get Out as supernatural? Like, how does he classify them? So that was my main thing after seeing this one. I think you're more right about it being man versus society. Get Out specifically. That was my opinion. When I was trying to think where to place too. I think he blends a lot of those elements because like Us was like... Us is about classism. Yes, it is. So now part of the reason I put us as man versus self is because of the central conflict of us where she switches places and it's the conflict of did i do the right thing by sacrificing someone else's life for my own man versus self yeah and also they are your you know your counterpart i think get out is the one that's a little more nebulous where it could be man versus society it could also just be man versus man like that's kind of interesting to me too but i think for me what i liked the most about this movie is the different ways that it portrays the consequences for a lack of respect and a lack of relationship with the wild which is like that's the whole thing with the horse no one respects the horse no one's respecting the horse's boundaries so it kicks somebody that's the chimp No one respected the fact that this is a wild animal that doesn't understand and it ends up killing people. Stephen Wen's character is trying to tame that predator. It's trying to get it to show up, but he's not respecting it. He's not trying to understand it. And it is literally only OJ that respects and has reverence for the wild nature of the animal that is able to exist in a contract with it. And that is the most fascinating part of the story. Counter to that, though, is that all of these people are not just not respecting it. They're exploiting it for content. Yeah. OJ included. I mean, like it's it's like really saying of like how troubling it is. Like if something happens, you have to record it. You'll go back and put yourself in danger again to get the shot. I mean, like there's a lot of stuff. There is, which when the TMZ guy crashes and he says, get my camera. Fuck, I yes. love the TMZ yeah. guy so much, Paige, because like the TMZ guy would say that. Do you want to know who did his voice? Oh, who did it? I'll burn a fun fact. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no. Oh, shit. No. Are you serious? 
he's just the voice. I don't think sure. he's the actual like actor. But yeah, there's definitely an element of the voyeurism inherent in that relationship and yeah. mm-hmm. the power dynamic of trying to get one or another to perform. And we see kind of the flip side of it in the early scenes in Hollywood where they're trying to basically get a wild animal to perform and by extension get OJ to perform without actually trying to understand or doing anything to participate in that relationship versus OJ who actually learns and accepts and works with the creature. Are they still getting it for a photograph? Yeah, of course. But the nature of that relationship is changed by the investment in that relationship. Oh, I think you're right. I love the end when he looks up to like taunt the predator where he's got that confidence. He's kind of been missing the rest of the the film. I don't think he's taunting him. Me either. I think he's drawing him closer. Like It, it is. We are now in accord. Yo, yeah, I think he like breaks the thing. I mean, like the thing respects OJ and yeah. will not eat him by the, but he's able to look at it and everything. Yeah. I do think it's wild that like everyone who comes across this sky shark for lack of a better term, <laughs> sky shark. everyone is like, Ooh, how can I make money off of this beast that is eating towns full of people? Maybe not towns, but like it eats <laughs> yeah. 40 people at once yeah. on a practical level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to call for this yes. thing could have killed thousands of people. Well, yeah. I, I feel like then I started questioning what happens if you call the authorities and then I'm like Independence Day. <laughs> like that, yeah, we have that movie. Yeah. Oh, on, <laughs> OK. So I read an article where every a lot of people think OJ died at the end. Why? Oh, because people like to overanalyze everything. In that he, him, him looking at his sister and the the smoke was actually him being dead from the creature. I don't believe that, and no, I have to like. I don't think that either. I don't believe that either because that's not what's shown on screen. I yeah. know. I just wanted to talk about it. That's so weird. I read the movie as because he respected the creature enough to gain that creature's trust, he's able to lead it over where she can get a picture of it. Or get it on video. I think he led it away from her for her to get away. And then she kind of was like, I'm going to take the picture. Yeah. For me, I put this in, in like ranking. Get Out is still my favorite. I fucking love Get Out. Get Out's a better film. Yeah. And then I... I honestly kind of have this tied with Us. Us is a very different movie. It is. And it does not work story-wise. It is one of those movies where, like, I was talking to a lot of people about it recently because this came out, and they were like, is it good? And I was like, yes, but you you have to not try to analyze the story logically. It is a movie about a theme and a point and and a, a metaphor, essentially, And if you think of it a little too long, it does fall apart. But if you're watching it and just being like, this is actually, this is more of a morality play about classism, then it's really interesting. And and for me, Us is scarier. But I think that's because Us plays to very specific fears that I have about desperate people in desperate situations who make desperate choices. That, I think, is why it's scarier to me. For this one, the aliens in the stable weren't very scary to me because in my mind, I'm like, it's too early to see the real aliens like within screenwriting in the movie. And so I'm like, these can't be real. This is this is a red herring. The thing that scares me is the scene where it's raining blood on the house. That is fucking terrifying. Paige, agree. Hardcore agree. Technically, the alien was taking a shit on their house. Or vomiting. (laughs) Vomiting blood all over their house. It was just getting rid of the waste because also, like, everything that was in their pockets is falling out. I mean, that's what kills the the dad. Like, a quarter goes into his brain because he's, like, just dropping, like, the objects that he sucked up but didn't eat. Todd, Todd. Yeah. It caught Salamanilla. 
No. Salmanella, no. Mikey. Salmanella. Like salmon. Salmanella. Like it's a man that got It could just be Salmanella. I don't know why you need the extra syllable in there. Because I don't like fish. Actually, Paige and I are the only ones that don't eat seafood. Yeah, we and don't you- eat seafood. <laughs> and you can't even say salmon? I don't want people to think I'm talking about salmon. <laughs> All right, let's, we'll just move on. Anyway, for me, another really terrifying scene was because until it eats everyone at the little arena, you don't know that it's an animal. You think it's a a saucer. Yeah, you think they're aliens or whatever. Right. Until you see that it sucked all those people up and it's digesting them. Yeah. That was horrifying. Because you're just like, oh, my God, it's a giant creature and it is eating them. Oh, and this, and you're just hearing them scream, and it's horrifying. <laughs> and the way they sort of telegraph the screams of the people being inside, what yes. is more or less so the stomach? Good. Because every time it flies around, even before you see it, you're like, man, that wind whistling sounds just like people screaming far away. Yeah. And then you realize later in the movie, oh shit, that was people screaming from far away. Yeah. Like it made it, it was just such a nice little touch in the sound design that made it even more creepy. Yeah. 100% honest take. That's a horrifying way to die. Super yeah. scary. It yeah. was slow. People are screaming. Joke about this. It looked like people, if you had a latex fetish, that was where you how you wanted to go. <laughs> it looks to me like Discovery Zone a little bit. Where it's like you're, you're like sliding through the side of a bounce house or something like that. Get in the zone! The stomach zone! Yep. <laughs> that was their theme song, right? Discovery Zone? No, I think that's the Auto Zone That is the Auto Zone theme song. It still worked. Fuck it. I'm keeping it in. <laughs> Let's jump into it and talk about it scene by scene. Yes. So the opening of this movie actually telegraphs more of what's happening before the movie even starts. It's one of the only times I've seen this happen in a movie. So during the opening of the monkey paw, like little, I I guess, credit sequence or like production company logo. It's the production company logo. Yeah. You're hearing the theme song for Gordy. Yes. Which like the first time you, you see it, you don't know that that's what it is. Although Jordan Peele did post a fake like theme song credit sequence that they made for the Gordy show on Twitter that you can go watch and it is this song. But on a second viewing, you recognize that that's what it is. Then the film opens with a quote from Nahum 3.6, which is, I will cast abominable filth at you to make you vile and make you a spectacle. And before we get into the rest of the movie, we have to talk about this quote and why it is here because I did some deep diving to find out why it is here. So Jordan Peele wrote this during pandemic. Okay. And he was convinced at the time that movie making as an industry and theatrical releases as an industry were going to potentially be in trouble and maybe movies weren't going to come back the way that they had been. And so in his mind, the only way to make sure that people would go to a movie would be to create a spectacle. And so the notion of the cost of creating a spectacle, both personal, emotional and financial looms large over this movie first and foremost he wrote the script with essentially no constraints of budget in mind which is very difficult to do a lot of times when you're writing a script especially if you don't know who's going to make it as you're writing things you tend to think of like well how would people even do that like 
How would somebody make that happen? How would somebody make this visual happen? And that can limit you a little bit. So he wrote specifically without thinking about that. Then once this went into production, he specifically asked to film it on IMAX. And there's a couple other things that they did that are pretty unique that most other films have never done. This is the first horror movie to be filmed entirely in IMAX. Really? Yes. That's cool. It is really cool. Yeah. Um, and he did that because he's like, it, it should be a spectacle, like specifically a spectacle. He also weaves that through Stephen Wen's storyline where the horrifying thing that happens with Gordy that we'll talk about in just a second is kind of a dark spectacle in and of itself in the way that Hollywood loves to look at a train wreck. Mm -hmm. Like, for example... Like, like, don't worry, darling? Yeah, it was like, for example, our group text thread, (laughs) which has been all don't worry, darling, for like two days. We have been losing our minds about it. Yeah, I literally, Paige, just sent... A funny <laughs> video about- that is about <laughs> Chris Pine getting spit on, quote unquote. Yes. I mean, we absolutely have been doing that the last three days. That's all we've been talking about. Yes. And so there is that notion of like Hollywood loves it. Hollywood loves yeah. a train wreck. That is their spectacle. It is filthy. It is vile. It is spectacle. But then for him to then turn around and try to create another spectacle with another wild animal that he cannot trust especially essentially he has not learned his lesson and there is actually a line in that scene and i'll I'll call it out when we get to it that is actually timed very specifically for the movie so we'll talk about it later but just know going into this that Jordan Peele was very invested in the idea of this movie being a spectacle and examining the notion of spectacles. Thought on that page. I did not even think about him not learning his lesson with the practical things he's doing by having setting up that thing. I came out of it just from like emotional trauma standpoint yeah. of him. Like I'm like, Oh, he has never dealt with this and moved forward with this. I mean, I think you could read it that way too. I was kind of surprised that you did. Cause I did not, I read it as him not learning his lesson, but that's very interesting. Same kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same sides of the same coin. It's two sides of the same coin there, which is like, you know, emotionally he's like, he's like got the artifacts. He's like charging people to see it. He's like exploiting that trauma. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, let me figure out how to say that. He's using the, that this traumatic thing that happened to him to further his career, to make money. And then when he actually gets asked about it, and you wouldn't know this except for Jordan Peele's work on this because you see his internal yeah. thought process while he's answering with this like yes. chatty BSE SNL sketch inside of his mind. He's terrified, like flashing back, horrified, flashing back. Yeah. You can see that on his face. Yes. it's And so I was like, oh man, from like a trauma perspective, he's not really moved like process it really and then for him to go and make the same mistake again what Paige is saying is makes perfect sense yeah he literally is just living in his trauma and he let that trauma define him and that's the way he shows up to people in the world because that's what defined him like internally that's what defines him it's even more than just the trauma because you have to think about it who is he why is he doing what he's doing how did he end up here Because he was a child star, right? Yeah. It is incumbent upon him to continue to foster and relive those traumas to maintain his career. This is a career necessity or else he fades into obscurity. So it is equal parts him not letting go of that trauma because it's identity, but also having to monetize a traumatic part of his life because that's what he's known for. 
And that's how he makes money. And for every child star that's been like that is a Hollywood special, if you want to think about it that way. A hundred percent. And I think to me, I mean, I guess from my perspective, that's just, that's such a great point of like not being able to talk about it in an honest way or like right. you could even write that tell all book that really is like this fucked me up and still have a career about it. But he can't even have those conversations, which he may have had it with like people closer to him or whatever. But I feel like the film implied of like he pretends it's something that happened. I'm okay. Right. You know, I talk about it like, oh, that was crazy that what happened. Here's the shoe that I found. Or like, you know, right. it was straight up when I was there. Not the uh, the horror that he actually lives every day about that. So that, that scene is next uh, because we see the Gordy set with the shoe standing upright, bloody, and the bloody chimp. I didn't notice it until way down the film. Okay, let's talk about it, though, because the okay. upright shoe has been debated consistently in this movie. What does it mean? It's clearly not done on accident, so it must have meaning. I read a couple different versions of what people think it is. The version I ascribe to, in part because it's kind of hinted at later in the movie, is the idea that the shoe is a bad miracle. Where, remember when he kind uh. of talks about, like, have you ever seen a bad miracle? And he's, like, seen the the saucer, essentially. I think the shoe is kind of that, where it's like, this is a weird, strange thing, but it's also terrible and terrifying. And I am mystified, but also horrified. And I think that the shoe is, in a, in a much smaller sense, a bad miracle. But also, as we see the end of the scene, the chimp, completely bloodied, stares directly into the camera and looks <sighs> us in the eyes. Yeah. As if to say, we are the enemy of nature. Like, specifically. On a rewatch, I was like, yikes, that's obvious. <laughs> like, you don't necessarily see it the first time because you like, you know, it goes by so fast and you don't really know what the rest of the movie is yet. But it is blatant and indicting because it stares directly at you and holds yeah it's wild great movie yeah i mean anyway it's really well done i agree we cut to the house in agua dulce and a light comes on upstairs it's still dark it's early morning clearly and we watch as oj loads up hay and he's feeding the horses and turning on the sprinkler on the training track he's turning on the horse carousel and we watch as his dad keith david amazing oh my favorite or os for because he's the senior and oj's the junior yeah so his dad is training a horse and it is ghost it is the horse that we'll see later in the movie and he is basically saying well if we land this deal they're definitely going to bring us on for the sequel and we won't have to sell any more horses it'll fix our money problems yeah so this is how we know that the money problems exist prior to their dad's death yeah it, it predates uh oj right like it's not oj's fault right. they're in the financial trouble they're in the rest of this movie so he asks, where's your sister? She's not here. Now, I do think, and this is something that I really kind of focused on a lot more the first time I saw it and a little bit less the second time. Kiki Palmer's character, Emerald, the sister, has a very interesting relationship to both the family business, but also her father and brother. There's a scene in the house when the house is raining blood where she looks at a photo on the wall that we would have to assume is their mother who has probably passed on yeah and we get this sense from her conversations with oj that oj and his father were a lot alike and that's why they kind of got along and trained horses together they had kind of a similar personality and i would assume that she is a lot more like her mother and is not necessarily the more reserved personality that they have from dealing with the horses and so she has kind of a disconnection from the business in a way she kind of tries to make her own way 
And also they kind of clearly leave her out, which she clearly was upset about. They clearly leave her out of what? They, yeah, they don't let her help train the horses. She was like nine. Like he tra- he worked with OJ. He didn't work with her. Yeah. And to Mikey's point, she was really young. Like, I don't know at what age you could start doing that and be safe. I'm not an equestrian, so I don't oh, know those like answers. Itty bitty. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. Definitely not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't know. Mm-hmm. I got the impression that like maybe the mom who we never meet. So I don't know this, but was like right. more of the uh, I don't want to say salesman like showman and gregarious. Yes. And that sort of went down to Kiki Palmer's character, which is why when they're yes. at the shoot later on, like, man, OJ really struggles to like do the presentation or to start it. And then she even though she's late and like is doesn't do great in that scene as far as like for the business she is way better at presenting than he is right so i wonder if like the mom handled that aspect of it and kiki was like more in line with that and oj is more like the dad who is the training side of it like the actual nuts and bolts of like getting the horses to do what they need to do but the mom was like the salesman side of it i had another perspective just because of the way people talked about the dad of being like he had it all together and he ran the business and all the things i thought that the siblings were like him broken out in two of like Mm. he was a good salesman and a good trainer and he was able to go on set run everything explain everything be outgoing do all of that stuff where oj has all the training stuff all the all the knowledge and then she got all of the uh the people skills i have yet a third in interpretation although i think both of those are valid yeah i think and this is after a second viewing i started to think about this i think there's some indication that oj might not be neurotypical just based on the interactions he has i don't know i think i feel like that's a normal older brother reaction if that's the only other person you have to talk to for most of the film is like man that horse is really nice but man my younger sibling is terrible and never helps around the house and it's my responsibility to run everything because they're never here Uh, I was thinking more along the lines of the way that he deals with the people on set where he doesn't feel like he can really assert himself. He feels very connected to the animals, but a little more soft spoken and maybe not as invested and direct. But then also, once we get into this, he's noticing things that a lot of other people aren't because he seems to look at things a little bit differently and they kind of need him for that. I didn't have that read. I just felt like he had a very big confidence shy issue. Yeah, you could definitely argue it could be shy. It could be a lack of confidence that he can run the business the way his father could. That could be. However, I do think that he wants to. Like in the conversations he has with his sister, he's kind of like, I'm not going to let this go. I have to do it. I will do it. So for me, on a second viewing, I was like, I don't know that it's confidence. I think it's it's personality or just the way he communicates with people is a, is reserved. To me, it doesn't matter necessarily because I feel like everything, especially with that kind of stuff, is on a spectrum. That's why I said may not be neurotypical as opposed to giving yeah. it a specific. I, I'm I'm just glad to see somebody who thinks like me even if you don't specifically call it out. Because I feel like if you specifically call it out, then the movie just becomes about that as opposed to he's just a character in this movie that happens to be this way. I think that anytime someone would be watching something that they see aspects of themselves in, they would feel more representative, whether those aspects of themselves put them somewhere on that spectrum or not. So like Mm -hmm. if the way their atypicalness shows up in their life or manifests in their life is through being shy and not maybe outspoken when they could be or should be maybe socially, because they have social issues or whatever, like that would make them feel seen and represented whether that character really is on the spectrum somewhere or not. I mean, and it's the spectrum. So they definitely are on it somewhere. Anyway, so they're asking about where Kiki Palmer Emerald is. She's not there. And as uh, OJ kind of walks back towards the house, 
his dad is sitting on Ghost and just kind of looking up at the sky. And as he as OJ walks away, his phone stops working. The breeze stops. There's no more air or anything. And things just start falling and raining down around them. And he turns and looks. And we do see him look up at the sky. So the implication is that he sees it. Yeah. Um, but we also see that his dad is hit. And so is the horse. The horse starts walking away and his father collapses off the horse. He runs towards him like we cut smash cut to them in the car trying to drive to the hospital, which is brutal. Like that is a brutal scene. Mm. It is so sad, man, because his dad is dying next to him. Like dies. I mean, his dad dies next to him. And clearly suffering from a brain injury, because which we will find out later. But like he's got a quarter in that brain. He can't form words. He's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. We cut to the hospital where his his father's clearly dead. They even show the x-ray of the quarter in his brain and all that stuff yes we cut back to the horse who has a key embedded in its flank it wasn't a penny for your thoughts it was the quarter for everything well yeah because of inflation mikey it's gone up from a penny to now a quarter for your thoughts but the keith david's famous so like yeah maybe his thoughts are worth more that's fair too yeah it could be that you're right but i think the sky shark just misunderstood the metaphors yeah so we cut to the credits (laughs) which by the way I didn't realize this on a first viewing because, again, you haven't seen it yet. But on a second viewing, the credits are across the backdrop of the alien's stomach. Oh, wild. Okay, Yeah, I didn't notice that either. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. And they finish with the image of that jockey riding horse. Yeah. So we cut to a movie set in modern day and OJ is trying to keep the horse calm while waiting for Emerald to show up. And we know that this is after his father's passed away because he's alone on set. Yeah, I would assume it's like months later. Not like years, but like a yeah. few months down the line. A couple weeks is what I was thinking. I mean, yeah, I, maybe. In my mind, this was probably the thing they were preparing for. Yeah, it could be. Then it would be a couple weeks probably. Yeah. Anyway, so OJ is on set first time back after his dad has passed. And it's clearly too soon. Yeah. Since when his dad passed Mm -hmm. and everyone on set is not being very respectful of what the horse needs to be able to perform. Oh, that's absolutely true. But some of them are just straight up not being respectful that OJ's dad died recently. I mean, some of them don't know. I remember like the guy comes up and was like, hey, who are you? And he's like, hey, we're from this company. And then he very loudly turns to someone and is like, hey, where's the other guy? Oh, he's And they're dead. like, he died. Yeah. A bunch of shit fell out of a plane, which is how we get the story that they were told, air quotes, told, yes. or maybe told the medical professionals that a bunch of stuff fell out of a plane and that's how he got injured. Well, they had like a key like go into stone or something, which- It goes into the horse's flank. Yeah. Another one went into the house, I think, which I think, is that possible to drop something and, and then do it like that? Yes. So it's actually the second time when it bleeds over the house, they end up in the steps yeah, of the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like coins and keys i mean i think dropping something from that height but he's shitting it out with full force yeah <laughs> like diarrhea like you know when you get like really sick and you're just blasting diarrhea against the yeah. back side of the bowl todd, yeah yeah the, the black splash todd yeah get that i mean yeah <laughs> i feel like todd doesn't eat enough food to propel enough poop have you ever shit so much that you embedded shit in the toilet because you're going so fast out of your ass Wait, what? I don't think I've ever wanted a scenario. Like, what, is this like a real thing in your life? I mean, sometimes, but only when I shit keys and coins. Yeah, when I <laughs> shit keys and coins. You guys gotta stop eating that cake that like the people bake coins into for good luck. Stop just swallowing those. My grandma used to do it in mashed potatoes. The problem is I'm a huge fan of pork, but how is that 
even related to cake with coins. I've been eating piggy banks. Did not see that coming. <laughs> see, my problem is I have inner worth and it's because I swallow a bunch of nickels. <laughs> you guys do weird things as like party <laughs> tricks. Like that's a weird thing to do. Hey, who wants to see me swallow a bunch of nickels? I've never yeah. said that. Somebody who wants me to shit dollar. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a magic trick that would impress me. <laughs> you just swallow four quarters and shit out a dollar. Yeah. You're like, I'm like that machine at the laundromat, but the opposite. Okay. Technically, that'd be really easy to do because you just, you sh- you eat a dollar like six hours before the party. First, and then you right. Eat, yeah. 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 But then you're having to touch a shit covered dollar. Like, why are we even discussing this? Newsflash. They're all shit covered. <laughs> this is true. yours. That's true. One time. Uh, as a kid, my my friend's dog Duncan ate like a ten dollar bill and then shit it out whole, and her oh. mom washed it off. Todd, can you can you bleep that name out for the podcast? We don't want to. Oh, wanna... the dog's name is Duncan. No, whatever. Duncan is no longer with us. It's fine. We got to protect the identity of the innocent. Uh, but her mom washed the the ten dollar bill out and then dried it out and then took them all to breakfast at McDonald's because it was like a surprise ten dollars. Also, this was in the late 90s, so you could still get breakfast at McDonald's for a family for $10. So I have a question that's related to what we're talking about right now. Uh What amount of bill would have to be in the poop for you to dive into the poop to get out? Oh, I wish I could say more than 100, but 100 would do it for me, I think. 100 would would definitely do it for me. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it depends on what kind of poo are we talking about. Is this like a solid poo that I'm going to be able to easily extricate this dollar from? No, I was thinking like just regular dog shit. Okay, so. Can you let it dry first? Yeah, that was my thing. You can take any approach you want, Mikey. It's a hypothetical. I will take any amount. I'll just let the poo dry. Yeah. Then you just crack it with a hammer and get it out. Exactly. Like a Fabergé egg. That, honestly, is a genius idea. For me, it would be <laughs> either a $10 bill yeah. or higher right. or a $2 bill. <laughs> Two dollars <laughs> still only you... worth $2. <laughs> I know, but I honestly wouldn't spend it. I'd keep it. I like $2 bills. Two from a number two. Hell yeah. Take that number two from the number two, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the real poop dollar right there. Like, Hell I don't know yeah. how familiar you are with the work workaholics catalog of pranks, but poop dollar, it's up there. I just like that it's Jefferson on it. And that to me is funny <laughs> that it's in poop. Anyway, he was pretty shitty, but technically all the founding fathers were. Why do we care yeah. what they think? <laughs> yes. They're not as good as the, today's class of landowners. Oh, don't love the way you just said that. I do think it was funny that in the Facebook group, people were asking (laughs) for your input as a landowner. (laughs) (laughs) That was very funny. But you like you announced that you're a landowner like you went to like established titles dot com and bought like a square foot of Scotland so you could be called a landowner. Uh, I did. You can take note of this. It was called <laughs> Z-I-L-L-O-W dot com. Yeah, that's where he got his his square foot of land. I went to established titles and bought land <laughs> for my dad in Scotland that they then never sent us the certificate for. And then I went through a six month process of just trying to get the damn certificate for that land. And eventually they're like, we're just going to refund you. You still own the land. But and so I have like, we own it and, and have like an email saying it, but no other proof. Well, good luck with all of that. Real estate fraud is a very real danger in Scotland. <laughs> apparently mm-hmm. I'm going to like plot up my backyard into like one foot squares and then sell that. I would buy all of it and then live back there to annoy the shit. Oh out my of God, me. guys, ultimate Patreon tier. <laughs> 
Live it by Todd's backyard. (laughs) This square foot is in the middle of Mikey's bed, lady. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't giving my foots to the proletariat. You mean proletariat? Man, Mikey, every day is just a new (laughs) thing that scares me about your life. And how you uh, pronounce things. Like, you have a master's degree. Not in that. No, he's got a landowner's <laughs> degree, okay? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we should add that to the fuck you money level of Patreon. <laughs> yeah, so okay. you get a square foot. No one has signed up for it yet. Just my backyard. Prolariat, he's the one that won all those races in Kentucky. It's proletariat, not pro whatever you were saying. I don't, I am so worried, like how you did in school. I don't know, but I will tell you that a couple days ago, my husband tried to text me something about Sebastian Stan and it auto-corrected it to Seabiscuit Stan and I've been laughing about it ever since. I do sort of love that. Yeah. Anyway, so they're all kind of milling around the horse. They're not being respectful of its personal space. And then one of them has a reflection. So the horse sees its reflection, freaks out, and kicks somebody. Because horses, not very smart. Yeah, horses be kicking when they're, like, scared. Yeah. Yeah. When they see a reflection, they're like, other horse, kick. Yeah, they kick more than Michael Flatley at a concert. (laughs) (laughs) He's the Irish dance guy. Yes, he is. How often do you think they replace his shoes? Do you think they (laughs) nailed him to his feet? He he won those races in Kentucky. He did. Michael Flatley is famous all throughout the Kentucky Derby and honestly, all the Triple Crown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'm just picturing like horses like legit running around the track and then just someone like (laughs) Irish step dancing or whatever that's called. Like (laughs) like, like, also flying down down the track. track. That shit would be so funny. Also, Loki... Lord of the Rings slaps like the the music in that is pretty stellar. If that you know that that low key movie that no one ever heard of, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the <laughs> for Dance. Like, for a second, I was like, why is he bringing up Lord of the Rings? Oh, you say Lord of the you you, you said, said Lord, Lord of the, of the Rings. Rings. Oh shit, Lord of the Dance. Oh my god. <laughs> so now about? I'm just picturing him like Irish dancing at the Council of Elrond. You've got my tap shoes and my axe and my bow. <laughs> All right, so then the horse kicks somebody. The, well, the horse kicks. It looks like a sandbag. Or it was either a sandbag or like a bag of powder. Cocaine. Yeah. But it just kind of like, like, it kicks one of the actor's pockets. So, like, you know, like cocaine (laughs) just goes everywhere. They're like, there you go. "Uh, It was baby powder. There's, uh, (laughs) I'm chafed. Oh, my vitamins. Oh, God. (laughs) I have a prescription. It's protein powder. (laughs) It's plant based. (laughs) Tay Tay gave me a prescription for that cocaine. I'm sorry, your doctor's name is Tay Tay. He's not a doctor. He's Dr. Feel Good. He's my assistant. Right. That's probably who's procuring drugs in LA, right? Uh, call me Mikey. My father was Dr. Feel Good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you can own one square foot of Mikey's bed. The fuck you money level. Yeah. Yeah, that's the literal fuck you money level. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we just turned Mikey into a sex worker. I got to get out here and jiggle my prolariate to get some money. (laughs) Anyway, in the midst of this, kind of before the horse kicks somebody, because we kind of got ahead of ourselves, Emerald shows up, gives her speech of, you know, who they are, what they do, but then also finishes up with like, also I do craft services, sets, sewing, like all this stuff. A little bit of acting and singing on the side. Yes. Motorcycles. Motorcycles comes back later. Oh, motorcycles does come back later. You're right, because she does say motorcycles in that list. So the horse kicks somebody and you immediately yeah. see on his face like this is done. <laughs> this is where we're not completing this project. Time oh, yeah, to go. Like, we're fired for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. 
So as they're leaving, we see them wheeling in a green screen horse behind them. <laughs> yeah. Which to me said that like somebody on set was like, hire a re- real horse. And someone was like, no, animals are unpredictable. And then at the end of the day, they were like, I fucking told you. So it's kind of sad we didn't get that conversation. It would have been great. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Emerald piles into the car and they've got Lucky in the trailer and they drive directly to Jupiter's claim, which is essentially like kind of a amusement park, I guess, if you want to call it that, near their uh, house out in Agua Dulce. It's kind it of like an old west town. I would say old west town, I, although it, there are some amusement parky type elements. I didn't see like any, yeah. were there any like roller coasters or was it just like? I don't think so. I think it was like I've been to a place like this in like Arizona where it's like, a ghost town, yes. air quotes. I went yeah. to a place like this close to the Grand Canyon. In fact, the reason we went there was because Probably they gave the horse one. tours to the Grand Canyon. And that's where we got our horse mm. to go on that tour. But they also had like a whole town and there was like a like risers for like a stage show that we didn't see, but yeah, they did, yeah, yeah. right? So like it gave me those kind of vibes, like those Wild West sort of tourist trap sort of vibes. Yeah, I bet we went to the same one. And the only reason I remember that it was in Arizona like just outside of Phoenix a little bit is that they gave us like pens that were in the shape of a cactus. Yes. And mine was like hot pink and I was like obsessed with it. Yeah. I had a blue one. Anyway. So they get to Jupiter's claim cause he's there to sell lucky, which is actually kind of sad. Yeah. So they go upstairs. Emerald is instantly like, Oh my God, you were on kid sheriff. I used to watch it all the time. And we get a little bit of, He's talking through business with Jupe and he's like, hey, I'd like to actually try and buy the horses back if I could. And he's like, yeah, um, but how about I just buy your whole ranch, right? Like, yeah. what about that? Where he's not really offering him a, a chance to buy the horses back. We'll find out why in a bit. Because those horses have been but digested by a sky shark. They, they eated. Yeah. They have eaten that whole horse. You could really say that horses are the glue that holds this whole movie together. Or at least that monster together. (laughs) Yeah. So it's at this point that Emerald notices a Mad TV cover with Gordy on it. And essentially it's a Mad TV cover of Gordy murdering the people on set. Like it's in pretty bad taste considering we find out what happens later. Yeah. And she asks about it. And Stephen Wynn is basically like, yeah, it's six minutes and 13 seconds of that chimp being loose. And attacking people on set. And he describes a a non-existent but believable SNL sketch, if that makes sense. Yes. Where it's implied that Mr. That Chris Kattan plays Gordy, much like he would play Mr. Peepers. Where as Mr. Peepers, uh, he, he was dressed very much like a monkey, but Chris Kattan would like eat an entire apple in like two seconds where he would just like <laughs> just like spin it and eat it at the same time and then like spit it out like it was <laughs> i love this i love the skits back in the day yeah but as he's telling that story we get a flashback to him hiding on set with like blood spatter across his face clearly just terrified yeah hiding from that chimp Dude, all of these scenes on this set, because it cuts back to it many times as we get more of the story of that event. Right. Man, every time it is scary and tense and I hated it. And it's also, there's no score that accompanies it. Oh, so no, it's, it's just, just silence. Quiet. Well, silence. silence and then it, like chimpanzee screams and people dying yeah. and like, it's just, it's so scary. Very scary. 
Uh, so we cut back to the house where Emerald and OJ have arrived back. And uh, she's like, well, what did he offer? He wants to buy the ranch. And they decide to raid their dad's liquor cabinet and listen to some of his records that night. Um, but as they're listening to records and drinking, this is where we get the first story of Jean Jacket. And that name will come back later. But yeah. Jean Jacket was supposed to be Emerald's first horse. But uh, her dad had to use him. She thought it was a Western. We find out it was Scorpion King, which I also saw in theaters uh, and doesn't fit on any of our podcasts. But I would love to talk about Scorpion King. I mean, we did talk about Mummy. So Scorpion King is way weirder in a great way. Yeah. My mom and I saw that alone together. And it was mom's suggestion. But it was a great day. <laughs> I think my mom might like The Rock. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't asked. What's not to like? What's not to like? So, Scorpion King, but it turns out they used camels anyway. So they, like, trained Jean Jacket for this movie, and then they ended up not having to use him. Right, but them training to use Jean Jacket for the movie uh, sort of removed it from... Kiki Palmer's care. It was no longer her horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her name's Emerald yeah. Haywood in the movie, but yeah. Right. And so at this point, OJ is like, dad did change the industry. He was really good at what he did, and I'm not ready to let that go. That's why I'm not selling the ranch. Yeah. So as they're talking, she looks out the window and asks, why is Ghost in the arena? Which is this little kind of area they have for training. Ghost is the white horse his dad was on when his dad passed away. Now, I'm not sure how Ghost would have gotten out there or if they left him out there earlier. I don't know what the deal is. Um, I don't know how horses don't have opposable thumbs. Can they open gates? Who's to say? So OJ goes out and kind of sidles up to Ghost. And it's clear that he spends enough time around the animals that they're very comfortable around him because he's just kind of chilling with Ghost until we see the lights on the ridge start to flicker. Yeah. Now, the lights on the ridge are very interesting because they're sets of two in red, almost like eyes. They look kind of like Mothman eyes. Um, but as those turn out, Ghost gets agitated and just runs off. Yeah. And so OJ is like, that's weird. I'm just going to take the golf cart after him. So he goes out with the golf cart. And he Ghost is nowhere to be found. Uh, I did notice on a second viewing that the golf cart brand was Polaris, which I thought yeah. was kind of interesting that it just like says it across the front. So as he's still looking for Ghost, all the lights go out. The turntable stops and then kind of comes back on. And he looks up and sees what we believe at the time to be a UFO flying saucer gliding through the clouds. So he drives right back up to the house. Yeah. And Emerald is like, where's Ghost? And he's like, I don't know. But there's something out there. So they check their security cameras and they're interrupted. They can't see anything. And she's like, what did you see? Which I think makes this one of the first UFO movies where no one questions it. No one's like, was it a UFO? Yeah. They were just like, you definitely saw one. We just need to get it on camera. I do sort of like that. I mean, yeah, Me because too. they're immediately bought into like, OK, my brother wouldn't lie about something like this. So right. let's see if we can get it on film, because the one thing that all the people who are like claiming they saw of UFOs lack is like compelling video evidence. Right. Or right? photographic evidence. Sure. One yeah. Too. So he says on the porch the day that dad died, he saw something and it was big and it was fast. And she's like, so you saw a UFO? And he's like, yeah, maybe. So we cut to Fry's Electronics in Burbank, California. Uh, fun fact about this Fry's. It is closed and has been closed since before this movie was filmed because uh, all the Fry's Electronics closed. But they kept this building location 
open long enough to film this because it does have a UFO poking out of it. It always has for like yeah. years. I did notice that. I wondered if that was part of the set. That's interesting that they've always had that. That's cool. Okay. They've always had that. And then it used to be when you went in there, there was like fake aliens and stuff kind of around. <laughs> Love but it. But since it closed, it's just like an empty store. So they had to recreate a Fry's Electronics in an empty store because they had the outside, just not the inside. Yeah. And I think, honestly, hmm. I think the store might still, like, the exterior might still be there. Then when you guys come out, I'll see. We can go see it and see if it's still there. Oh, nice. So they go and they buy, like, a whole new camera security system. And she's kind of talking through it, like, we need the Oprah shot. We need the, like, compelling evidence, good quality that we would make bank if we did it. Yeah. And they honestly, they would like if they proved UFOs exist and UFOs are sky sharks that just want to eat people like that would be big news and they would be the center of that story forever. That would almost be more terrifying than actual aliens. Well, first off, it is an alien. Secondly, yeah. yes, it would be fucking terrifying. Wait, do you mean a literal sky shark? No, I mean like there's UFOs, but they're actually animals that just they just eat people all the time. Oh, yeah. that No, that's terrifying. Yeah. Like the yeah. animal in this movie is super scary. Yep. So they end up at the register slash like geek squad kind of guy. And he's like, do you need somebody to install this? And they're like, is it hard? And he's like, yeah, you won't be able to do this. He's like, did you get robbed? These are a lot of cameras. I love how he goes, not for me, but like you would struggle. Like he's just like yeah. to their face, yeah. like you don't look like you can handle this. Big Todd energy when it comes <laughs> to production. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I would probably say something like this. Like, absolutely. Because that, I mean, as terrible as it is to say, I am a terrible person sometimes. And I probably would say this. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being confident. There's, you know, there's a thin line between confident and cocky and asshole. There's like three lines. You can go through them all. Well, there's two lines if it's separating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a line at the end, too. I don't so that would be four <laughs> lines. But either way. Uh, <laughs> I, th I thought it was hilarious that this guy becomes a main character. Me, too. I love when they start talking about like what they're trying to capture and he's like immediately on board. He's like, oh, you don't even yeah. know shit about aliens, even though you've seen one or whatever. Like, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So and and they're asking him, like, do these have backup power? Because like this things tend to lose power around this, yeah. which is kind of a callback to uh, the uh, often known as Skinwalker Ranch. There are a couple different names for it where it's a patch of land in Utah that has seen a lot of air quotes UFO phenomenon and people tend to lose cell phone service out there. Oh, there's a documentary on that on Netflix that just came out. Actually, it's the show from the History Channel that they're like just replaying on Netflix. Oh. And it's wild because they do see some weird stuff on that show. But also it's one of those, you know how the History Channel is like this carving couldn't have been made by a stick. And you're like, I mean, maybe it could, though. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like the pyramids, there's no way like 10,000 people could build that. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like clearly probably. they did though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, maybe they, they could have. Yeah, I actually tried to watch that Skinwalker Ranch thing on Netflix and I couldn't watch it because it is like reality TV show goes to Skinwalker Ranch. And like, yes. if we're going to do a dating show from there, that's cool for a vibe. Like, I would mm. watch that. Honestly, a dating show at Skinwalker Ranch, see who finds love and survives. <laughs> <laughs> and gets radiation poisoning. Yeah. Do yeah. you guys want to uh, see my skinwalker? <laughs> Pass me the ranch. Like, they, they find a mysterious dead cow. They see something in the sky. They right. see something at night. And then somebody gets radiation poisoning. So, like, all of those things, while really interesting for television, are like par for the course. 
explore that site. Anyway, so we cut back to the ranch and uh, he's shown up to help them install. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize you were far out because Agua Dulce is pretty far out. And he confesses that he went through a breakup, so he doesn't really have much to do. And he's just been like home watching ancient aliens, essentially. Yeah, she... yeah he's got a real overshare energy yeah. that I connected with. <laughs> so, funny. so they install the cameras and point them all up at the sky. And this is where he's like, oh, you're looking for UFOs. Like, this is clearly what you're doing. And he starts talking about how he thinks the greys are controlling the government. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. I love UFO conspiracy theory. It's wild. Me too. And they always get stranger and stranger the more and more you read about them. So, like, it's clear that he has been, like, drinking the UFO Kool-Aid. Yes. So... Kiki Palmer, Emerald, comes home and she has clearly stolen one of the horse statues from Jupiter's claim. And Jupe is like right behind her where he pulls up and he's like, hey, uh, what is that? Where'd you get yours? And she's like, oh, where'd you get yours? Thanks for stopping by. Bye. I love that they're like yelling at him like, don't come any closer. <laughs> like, we don't want you mm-hmm. to see that we stole something from you. And he doesn't. Like, yep. he, he respects <laughs> that command from them. And he doesn't see that they stole his training horse. No, he, say, he says, I have one just like it. Well, yeah. yeah I, I, I think what would give it away is his, like, banner. The, yeah, on the it. banner. Like, the, the banner would have given it away. So, like, he doesn't see that from where he is. No, I, I read this as he absolutely knows and he's just gonna, like, I, I am gonna lose this battle to win the war. <laughs> yeah. Be, that could I be think he's more worried about Sky yeah. Shark or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that is true. At this point, he does know Sky Shark is out and about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, um, he invites them to the show. They're like, thanks, but no. He leaves and the fries guy has set up the cameras and he's like, you know, I can monitor the feeds. And they're like, we don't need that. And he's like, okay, well, you'll be getting a call for a survey and leaves. We cut to title card Clover. So we get title cards for all the different horses as we go through. Yeah. So Clover kind of looks like ghost, but has a dark mane and a dark tail. Uh, But this is where we see OJ about to go to bed and he sees the lights on in the stables and he goes to investigate and it looks to be aliens. Like there's a handful of tiny jump scares of oh. what look like stereotypical grays until he just hauls off and punches one of them. And it turns out to just be the kids from Jupiter's claim. So aside from the super like Mikey energy punching a child whose only crime right. was wearing a mask. I think you mean trespassing. Okay, that's fair too, Mikey. You're right. Dresspassing because they're in costumes. <laughs> I do love this scene uh, once it like resolves just because it's silly. It's funny. He punches one of the it's children. Scary. Like That's funny. Up till that point, it's terrifying. Like I was squirming in my seat, literally had my hands over my eyes and was like peeking through my eyes. I don't know why, but especially the kid who had like the deer head on with like the things dripping off of it. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the ritual. Yes, exactly. It was that similar imagery. And he did say oh, so the name of the movie the first time. Yeah, he did. Because he says it multiple times. But for this one, he just says, nope. Nope. <laughs> and then my favorite is in the car when he just kind of like settles back into the truck and is like, nope, <laughs> guess I'm sleeping here. I live in the <laughs> truck now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, you know what? I like when people react realistically to horror. Same. Yep. Because <laughs> at a certain point, you're like, what do I even do? But but when he's in the barn, I would have run out like immediately. I mean, I, I do think he did the right thing by once he realized they were kids. Punching a child. He punched one of oh. the children because it was close to him. But right. I do think he knew it was the kids before he punched them. He was just, you know, issuing that warning. 
morning. See, I don't think he did. I think he thought it was an alien and just reacted the same way people oh. react when they like get too close to a shark and don't know what to do. And they just he definitely didn't know it wasn't an alien. I was just pretending in my mind that it was Mikey, and that's what Mikey would have done: punched a child and asked questions later. Yeah, yeah. Like, why are you my born? Questions like, why are there aliens at the beginning of Act Two? Shouldn't that be an end of Act Two thing? Yeah. So it's clearly the kids. We cut to Fry's Electronics at night and Angel is the character's name is kind of closing up and there's a shadow behind it. But it turns out to just be Barbie Ferreira, who is only in this movie for like two seconds for some reason. I don't know why. But we cut to the camera feeds at the ranch uh, and Emerald looks and jumps back thinking it's an alien, but it turns out it's just a praying mantis. Yeah, I do love the whole praying mantis misdirect, though, because this is the first time, like, the sky shark sort of attacks them when they can, like, when they realize it, right? And because the guy from Fry's calls and is like, hey, there's a praying mantis on the camera. Can you get it off the camera? Because the other camera is out right now, signifying that, like, the sky shark is over on that side of the ranch. Yeah, he's like, it's down, like ancient aliens down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's character, I honestly thought he was going to die. I was so glad he didn't, but I loved that character because really he, ver- he was very funny. Very funny. So OJ goes out to try and bring Clover inside, but Clover just takes off and he watches as a tornado just like sucks the decoy horse into the sky yeah. with the trail of flags hanging. Yeah. And this is as Kiki Palmer is still on the phone with Fry's Electronics and he's like, can you please get the bug off the thing? So she climbs out and tries to throw Sour Patch Kids at it to get the bug to move. But as she does it, all the horses in the stables are freaking out. And they don't really see any lights or shining things or anything, but it's a cloud. It's in the cloud. And you just kind of see it gliding through the clouds. Like my nudes. <laughs> All right, well, if you guys want Mikey's iCloud password, uh, reach out to me. I will be giving it to the highest bidder. Mikey is now worried about what is on the cloud. (laughs) Can you have a minimum? Because, like, the highest bidder could be, like, $7. Yeah, and if that's what it takes, Mikey, that's what it takes. They're going to have to meet a reserve of $69. (laughs) Nice. Anyway, so the aircraft, as we believe it to be at this point, flies off and dips over the mountains. And so she, of course, as it's flying away, the praying mantis flies off. Yeah. And uh, they go inside and they're like, well, it's not coming back again tonight. Like it ate Clover and it ate this decoy. Like it's we're fucked. Yeah. It's full of one horse and one metal horse. Yeah. And I don't mean like. That horse was fucking metal. I mean, like, it was like a training horse, like the one that they stole from. Right. I mean, it could have been metal, though. It could have been a wild stallion. <laughs> metal horse. <laughs> uh, but we do get a flashback to him working with his dad, talking about how ghost is all territorial and that some animals aren't trainable. And he looks over to the wall in the kitchen where the quarter that killed his dad is hanging, still in the evidence bag, pinned to the wall. Yeah. And then he vows revenge to kill George Washington again. There you go. (laughs) To dig him up and then kill him again. So they call the documentary filmmaker. uh, His name is, I believe, Antler is his name that he's credited as. But they basically are like, it's the chance of a lifetime. It's a passion project. We need you to come film it with something that doesn't have electricity, essentially. Do you have a fun fact about his character? So I think I do. Okay, because I was going to share it if you weren't going to share it. Um, Well, let me tell you what I think that I saw in a second viewing, and then you can tell me yours if, if it's different. So in this scene, they say it's a chance of a lifetime. And he's like, hopefully not my lifetime. 
Yeah. Which didn't super make sense to me the first time. But then later, as he is waiting to try and like get the final shot, he takes pills that look like they're cancer pills or painkillers. Yeah. I think he's dying. They they cut out a terminal illness subplot. That makes so much sense. I didn't realize until the second one that I was like, oh, I bet he's terminally ill. And then it made his storyline make a whole lot more sense. Yeah, I honestly dug his character a lot, although he is a oh, little insane, hundred. but I love his unhingedness. I love that he is like he's been given the opportunity to get this impossible shot because it can't be captured using electricity. And he like MacGyver's right. a camera to, mm-hmm. to work. I was like, this guy is he has to hand crank. Yeah, yeah. This guy is amazingly gifted at like at engineering, not just like cinematography like he built a camera <laughs> like that's crazy well, i mean film the original film cameras didn't need electricity well i know way back in the day but like that has not been a thing for like a hundred years but less than that but a long time fun fact when i was in film school one of my best friends was also in film school at a different college and her school made her learn how to hand crank what that tells me is where your friend went to school they have not updated the curriculum in like 50 years and she should get a refund on that class they also had to learn how to shoot on digital of course she's like today's lesson is title cards between the silent shots so you know what the characters are saying right today in film school we're going to learn how to play the piano behind a silent <laughs> film <laughs> anyway so he has an old camera he has a hand crank and the trick with hand cranking that they they talk about a little bit in this because he instructs the fries guy on kind of how to do it you have to crank at a consistent speed because if you speed up or slow down it it changes the film so it changes the speed at which you watch things back you literally would have to know how to like crank at 23 and a third or whatever like revolutions per minute which is so crazy like that's such a specific speed that you'd have to like internalize that's so crazy well it it's kind of like well this is gonna you you might understand this it's kind of like being a drummer it, it just becomes a muscle memory beat yeah. yeah when i crank it usually starts slow and steady and then we finish <laughs> fast now here's the cool <laughs> thing though if you do hand crank and if you if you get good at it i am right very good <laughs> at it you can actually create really cool effects by hand cranking yeah you can so sometimes you'll see people input little bits of it in movies for effect specifically Mikey's little bits or just like hand crank little bits <laughs> yeah I mean I little mean... is generous <laughs> <laughs> no. I've seen that oh. vitamin water picture it ain't little oh it's little everybody it's all small that way if you ever meet it it's like meeting if you ever meet it is what he said Paige like meet it M-E-A-T <laughs> sorry I just accidentally poured ice water on myself and it was delightful <laughs> this room is 90 some odd degrees you don't look warm at all really no you look no, very you warm, look Paige. very very yeah, uncomfortable. you look very yeah. miserable I'm so sorry I'm wildly uncomfortable you look like you're recording from a sauna that is, I basically am congratulations on your new sauna oh thank you thank you my favorite was when I had really bad food poisoning you told me congratulations on my weight loss journey that was very <laughs> funny yeah it was hysterical it's called reframing we use it in right. therapy I don't use it correctly are you enjoying <laughs> your spa weekend <laughs> yeah. people pay good money for this page you need to enjoy it get some cucumbers throw that shit on your eyes get some hot rocks yeah yeah so he turns them down he's not gonna do the project and they, he basically just hangs up on them. But as he's doing that, um, the as he's doing that, the guy from Fries rolls up 
and is like, oh, my God, it's real. Yeah. And he's just like standing outside looking at the sky and they're like, what? And he's like, that cloud hasn't moved in maybe like since you put the cameras in. And then OJ says it hasn't moved in six months. So and that's just him thinking about like, how long have I seen that cloud? It's not like he was out there every day recording it. Yeah. So they have proof on video, at least for as long as they've had the cameras. And they're like, well, that could just be a weather phenomenon. Or if this is cult podcast, it could be a crazy guy observing an explosion from a local army base convinced that it is, in fact, Jesus. Um, That happened a couple weeks ago. Oh, man. But they basically know that it's hiding in that cloud right there. Yeah. And he does comment. It doesn't move like a ship. And then he says, what if it's not a ship? And we immediately cut to a flashback of the Gordy show, specifically the birthday episode. And it just says 1998. And we watch as all hell has broken loose. The mom from the show is not quite dead, but about to be dead on the ground. And one of her shoes is standing upright. Yeah, like from the heel to the toe, it's like it's stuck to the ground with like the toe pointing straight up. In an unnatural way, a way that a shoe would not be able to stand on its own typically. Oh, I mean, not for any length of time. It would fall to the left or the right, you know, because there's no Mm -hmm. there's no flat surface for the heel to sit on. So it would fall over. Right. Yeah. And we watch as the guy who plays the dad on the show tries to distract Gordy, the chimp, and he's immediately murdered. It does not go well for him. Yeah, it does not go well. Um, Gordy comes back to finish the job with the mom. And the one thing that I kind of love is that as it pans through and you see that the audience has taken off and just left these people to fend for themselves. I mean, uh, that's yeah. what you should do in that situation. Yes. Like, I mean, and, and get help, you know, which they do. You know, we see the police show up later. But like Not me, man, this is my one chance to fight a chimp. And I am. I, and I'll probably oh. die. You would lose. You would absolutely yeah. lose. You would lose. Yeah. I would use a weapon, I think. Well, yeah, I think that'd be your only hope. But what's really fun is as it pans across the empty audience seats, the applause signs are all still on. Yeah. Which I thought was really funny. Uh, But Gordy goes to look under the table where Jupe is hiding. Yeah, young Jupe. And he doesn't immediately attack him. In fact, he signs something and then he goes to fist bump him under the table. It's so creepy because it's like the chimp is remembering what he was trained to do. So he's like doing the action that he was trained. And then it very clearly, at least in my mind, shifts to where the chimp is now going to murder Jupe. So I actually have a fun fact. Chimp is not going to murder him. What was he going to do? The chimp signs to him where is family. Because the chimp doesn't understand that it has just murdered the family. Like the balloon pops, the chimp goes crazy. And it doesn't comprehend what has happened. And so he is reaching out to fist bump. And little Jupe goes to answer and fist bump. And then before they can actually connect, the police come up behind and shoot the chimp in the head. Yeah. Taking it down, essentially. Which is unfortunately what you would have to do in that situation, right? Like, because you don't know what it's going to happen. This exact situation has happened more than once. Oh. Fun facts. And people have died? Um, no. Okay, so not this exact situation, but like chimpanzees having to be put down on set is a thing. So uh, do you want me to do you want me to burn the fun facts right now? Sure. Then let's just burn this one right now. Yeah, Yeah, burn the shit out of them. So there was an SNL episode, which I think is why he references SNL. Sure. That would make sense. Yeah. SNL used to have a sketch called I Married a Monkey, where Tim Kazarinsky acted alongside a chimpanzee. And this is back when you still could, because now you can't really use chimps on set because of this. 
Yeah. The sketch ended in season nine, episode 11, because one time during dress rehearsal, the chimp got angry, flew into a rage and attacked him. Oh, no. He tried to bite him multiple times. Yeah. And the handlers were able to pull the chimp off. Um, and according to Tim Kazarinski, this is not necessarily verified outside of his recollection. He was under the impression that the chimp's teeth were removed as a result, which sounds incredibly cruel. I don't know if that is actually what happened. Fair enough. Um, additionally, there uh, was a couple who tried to raise a chimp in their home and uh, successfully did for about 20 years. I remember this story. Yes. Yeah. And, and that chimp worked on sets and a couple other things. However, the chimp didn't have natural like it, it didn't know how to socialize with other animals it was raised in a human home it was raised eating human food its health was not good and it had become more and more agitated because a human home is not a place to raise a chimp it's barely a place to raise a child yeah as the handlers got older they could not take care of the chimp the way they used to anymore yeah and so at one point a friend came over yeah and the chimp attacked her and removed most of the bottom portion of her face yeah while she stabbed it multiple times to get it off of her and the chimp survived although was later put down but she had to have widespread facial reconstructive surgery much like the woman that is depicted in this movie. In fact, she wears a veil very similar. Yeah. And her face looks very similar. When they show her later in this movie, actually pretty soon after where we're talking about right now, I was like, oh my God, that's the woman from the set uh, in, back in the 1990s or whatever. Like, I thought that she had died because until they show her because she was brutally beaten. So the one that is beaten does die. Oh, okay, okay. This is the little girl. Oh, okay. And she, you can tell because she has a picture of herself on her sweatshirt. That's right. Which is kind of fun. So from the fist bump to headshot, we cut to him as an adult getting ready for their live show. Yeah, with his, I assume his wife, right? Yeah, I think so. Because there's pictures of them uh, pitching a reality show. Yeah, about, they got it. Yeah, because there's like a poster and it seems like it's her and their two kids. And she's he's clearly stressed out and she's like, doing like acupressure on his hand yeah we cut to the ranch where they're bagging the cameras because they, they know there's a storm coming uh and they want to be able to still get footage but as they're doing that oj finds a flyer for the show and he's like i'm gonna go see lucky like i'm gonna go see this show do you think at this point he knows that the horses are being fed to this creature because he did sort of just see a horse get eaten and a training mm -hmm. horse get devoured as well I think he may have suspicions. I don't know if he knows for sure. I think he has figured out that they can see the flying saucer because that flyer has kind of a space look to it. And they, you know, once OJ and his sister know, they like act super suspicious. Yeah. So he shows up and we, we get to the arena where they have cactus ices. I was there for that. I, I'm curious. I would try one because I've tried cactus soda and stuff before. It's got a very interesting taste. And they also have like alien merch and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And they start the soundtrack and he basically says his little spiel about like when they first discovered this creature. And he says, 
In the next hour, you will see a spectacle like you've never seen. Remember what I said about spectacles early in the episode? Yeah. That line is exactly one hour from the end of the film. Okay. To the minute. Like they they must have been real careful with their cuts, but Yeah, yes. with that they must have been very careful with the editing of it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they have Lucky in like a plexiglass cage, and clearly they're going to try and feed Lucky to this UFO. And it appears in the sky and he literally says, he's like, it's given us a show tonight. And we kind of pan through the audience and it's kind of sparse. But one of the people that is there is his former co-star with the veil and it blows and you can kind of see that her face is very, very scarred from being attacked by the chimp. Yeah, she's she's missing a lot of the soft tissue around her jaw. Yeah. Honestly, it looks a lot like she's a burn victim. Yes. I was going to say took a sip from the wrong grail. Yeah, she did choose poorly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> This is the cup of a carpenter. (laughs) So as they're watching, the UFO basically sucks up the entire arena and all of them with it. It had a bad day. It, you know, and sometimes when the when the UFO is feeling like down, it'll binge like I binge eat wings, but its wings are people. Because it had a bad day and it ate a whole crowd. Now it's part of their blood and it's flying around. Well, that's why he gets the shits because he ate too much. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. Mikey brings up an interesting point. Does the sky shark have just like a cloaca? It's like the single hole that does both peas and poops? An anus and an anus? Does that <laughs> Does that mean that does it mean that it's a bird? Is this just a weird bird? I feel like it was a sentient party city balloon. Because you have an in hole and you have an out hole and you eat stuff through the hole, then it goes out the hole. But all of those holes are the same hole, Paige. Yeah. Hold on, Todd. Wait, we didn't think about this. It could be like a woman where they didn't have different tubes going down through that hole. Mikey's right. Babies come out one tube, pee-pee comes out another tube, and that's why when a woman gets her tubes tied, she can't pee again. What? I don't think that's scientifically accurate. You were doing so well. So the horse won't come out of the plexiglass. Smart, 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 smart. It eats the rest of the the crowd. The horse gets away. The horse had been icing and had to be put in there. It was in the penalty box for sure. Yeah. See, when you said icing, I pictured the horse kneeling and offering the UFO a Smirnoff ice. (laughs) (laughs) That it just like, all right. And then just like sucks it up into the hole. Anyway. So by the time OJ gets there, the place is deserted, except for some things have been moved around because of, of tornadoes, including there's a pig on a roof. Yeah. And it is a live pig. Like a live ass pig. Yeah. Yeah. Implying that pigs have flown. At least in this uh... movie. Well, and anytime a tornado goes through a pig farm, like that would definitely happen. Right. So he goes to the arena to try and take Lucky back. And he ends up having to hide from the UFO in the wreckage of the arena, but does save Lucky. Yeah. That shit was so cool. The way he yeah. like called it over. And like that was so tense, too, because it's like flying around like the shots looking up at the clouds. And then it like just like going up to the edge of the cloud to where you can barely see mm-hmm. it. Clearly, it's stalking what's below it. Like it's just yeah. so creepy and cool. Like I really I dug that part of this movie. Like the scary parts I hated, but like it is effective. Like it is good at what it does. Here at People Stop. Here at People Stop. I want people as garlic parmesan, mm-hmm. mild, and that new yeah. smoky Louisiana barbecue. I can only eat like seven people in one sitting. I can't eat more than that. Amateur. So we cut back to the ranch where the fries guy is leaving and Emerald is at home kind of 
watching the cameras and kind of freaking out. She's playing some home movies about her dad, but she's clearly not feeling great after the night before. Yeah. Then the power goes out, including the vans. So the Fry's van breaks down. OJ's truck breaks down. Fry's guy runs back inside the house and he's like, we're in trouble. And he grabs a knife. And I think at this point, they're still afraid that aliens are going to come out of it because they're not sure even that it's like an animal yet. Like we've seen it eat all those people and then suck those people up into the stomach thing, which is terrifying. Yeah, but I don't think even OJ saw that. Right. I don't think he has even put it together that it's not like aliens, aliens. Like the UFO is the animal itself. Like- I do think they grasp that in a moment, but they don't. I don't think they get that yet. I think he grasped it quicker. Yeah, yeah. It's actually in this scene because he. Yeah, he says he talks about it. Yeah. So Fry Guy gets to the house, freaked out, and it's at this point as OJ's coming home, he's trying to call her, and he says, "I was right. It's not a ship. It's an animal. It's territorial, and it thinks this is his home." And just as he says that, the call drops. So she and Fry's Guy are trapped in the house with a knife, hiding under the tables, and he's trapped in the truck. Yeah. And the air around the house swirls, and we hear the screams of the people being digested, and now we know what that is. Yeah. Which is horrifying. It is horrifying. But it's also like a familiar sound. We've heard it before. Right. Like every time we heard the ship, and we just thought it was like the wind blowing. So freaky. And there is a storm that night, but it's hovering directly over the house, and the storm water is like, coming down over the sides. Yeah. And it starts raining all of their belongings and pieces of stuff down onto the house and just streams of blood, like blood streams down the windows and onto the porch. It's just vomiting blood onto the outside of the house. It's raining blood. Hallelujah. It's It's raining keys (laughs) and blood. Holy (laughs) shit. You know what I would do immediately if I was OJ after the sky shark left I would go collect all the keys and then go to the parking lot at at Jupe's like tourist trap area. I think that's how they get the batteries. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. So they just like steal all the batteries from the dead people's cars. Yeah, they they have their own gone in 60 seconds moments. Yeah, absolutely. Technically, I think the I think the uh Sky Shark is it's that time of the month, you know? I think it's the time of the day where he gets rid of everything that he can't digest. Mm. Or it's a she, and that hole has three purposes. Have they tried throwing chocolate into the hole? Oh, my God. I think it doesn't matter what the gender of the UFO animal is of Sky Shark. It doesn't matter. Okay, but like maybe the Sky Shark just needs to like get some donut holes and watch Outlander for a day yeah. or two. Like, I mean, yeah. honestly, that sounds amazing. I would do that. They should put a heating pad right above its hole. I usually use mine on my back. Look, I don't know what's inside there. It's a UFO. (laughs) It's a bunch of keys and blood. Just keys and blood. Well, what was inside there is keys and blood, which is why it's shitting that down onto the house. For like a good 30 seconds of this movie, it's just like raining blood on the house. It's wild. And I I really hate it in the background where it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, like if you're sustaining that level of like output, like you've got intestinal issues. Yeah, you got, you should take some medicine. Yeah, you need to go to the doctor, Sky Shark. (laughs) Sky Shark needs some witch hazel. I was going to say Imodium AD. I don't know what Witch Hazel would do because... Well, Imodium would stop you up, which means you're going to have to push harder, which means you might cause more bleeding. I think Imodium is the best decision if you're having a shitting out blood for 30 seconds out of... T- well, you should probably see a doctor. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and say you should see a doctor. So Some medications have shitting blood as a side effect. So there you go. 
If you find yourself hovering 100 feet above a house, shitting blood on top of that house and keys, you might be possessed. (laughs) 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 Or you might have just eaten red velvet cake that had beets in it and you didn't realize it was beets. And then you were in the office, like going to the bathroom, thinking that you were dying because it looked like blood. But it turned out it was just the cake for your boss's birthday. Or you could be like me. Come home uh, during college to your mom's house who's on a diet. You eat six muffins that had that tasted like uh, apple cinnamon with chunks of real apple in them then your mom comes home from work and tells you those were special fiber muffins that i use (laughs) then you poop a lot i'm realizing that i don't have an anecdotal go-to here's a time i I thought i shit blood story oh i'm todd and i've never (laughs) shat blood (laughs) i've never eaten a buffet my name's todd (laughs) i've never had to be (laughs) actually the one time that i did actually shit blood is because I had to be on metformin when they were regulating my asthma medication because asthma medications are usually steroid based yeah which makes your blood sugar weird or whatever so I had to be on diabetes medication for a while but because my blood sugar wasn't actually fucked up it would just make me shit blood constantly oh it was terrible so glad I don't have to take it anymore do pixent y'all yay yay But yeah, oh, I'm tired and I've never shat blood. Why do we go back to making fun of me for not shitting blood? Because all the cool kids are shitting blood, Todd. You know, I know you've never lived. You never almost died shitting. I mean, Don't you want to be like Elvis? No, nobody does. It's fine. Girl, do you shit blood with that ass? <laughs> Girl, you shit blood with that ass? <laughs> Please don't update that pickup line to say that. Too late. Put it on shirts. Uh, <laughs> put it on a shirt? No, put it on underwear. Like on the across the butt. On the back, yeah. Yeah, girl, you should blow with that. But it has to be red underwear, so you can't tell if you are shitting blood or not. Black underwear is better for that. Oh, okay. Pro tip. I can tell you've never shit blood. God. Yeah, you don't even know about the black underwear trick. Blood's pretty dark after it dries, especially from your ass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. We have to move on. I feel like we need more hours of making fun of you for not shitting blood. I think we may have hit our fill. Toilets are pretty big, my friend. I think there's more room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the double flusher. Anyway, the alien is double flushing all over the house. and It's a scary scene. It's real shitty. Mm -hmm. Super shitty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So my favorite part of the scene was the other UFO right next to it being like, oh, thank God you're not pregnant. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Usually for me that's one in the same UFO where I'm like blood. Oh, thank goodness. I'm going to go get an Oreo shake. Like, yay. To celebrate. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> so this alien has not had its Oreo shake yet. Um <laughs> as the sun rises, the cars kind of power back up and OJ tries to get from his truck, which, by the way, in the blood melee rain, it drops that fake horse on his truck. Oh, yeah. Like head is in the passenger seat. Like it almost kills him. Anyway, so he goes to the Fry's van and opens it so he can get Emerald and the Fry guy inside. And they make it to the van. They drive. And he says, don't look it in the eyes. I feel like it doesn't like you to look it in the eyes. So we cut to... Fry Guy's apartment where they're playing VR, or at least the two of them are playing VR, and he's just kind of chilling there thinking about what has happened. And my favorite is Angel, the Fry's employee, is like sitting in a chair playing VR, but Emerald is just like facing a wall. <laughs> like, you know, in video games where you get stuck in a corner? <laughs> it's like yeah. that. I felt like he was watching VR porn. That was my personal take Aww. from this scene. And she was like cutting the cake at that wedding while you were with the bridesmaid. Yeah, he's watching himself cheat on his future wife and like feeling really bad about it. And he just, you know, has his head slumped. Anybody else? You are the only person I've heard talk about VR porn full stop. 
So like, I don't know anyone else's take on it, but your take on it is my favorite. I, I will say that people are embarrassed. No, I've heard other people <laughs> talk about it. Uh, and they all kind of had the same reaction where they were just like, this is strange. Yeah. So they end up going to a restaurant. And this is where OJ finally speaks up where he's like, I don't think it eats you if you don't look it in the eye. And they're like, we don't want to talk about the last 24 hours and all the, the shit blood. So he basically is like, we don't have any video or anything of it. But I think I understand it a little bit better. So we they drive back to the house. Yeah. And the documentary photographer meets them there and he just says that cloud hasn't moved like he automatically notices it. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's not hungry. And he's like, well, I saw the news report of what happened. And so I figured this must have been the same shit that you were talking about. Uh, And they explained that the fake horse and the flags messed it up really good. It won't fuck with flags anymore. But we're not the reason it settled down here. Jupiter's claim is they tried to tame a predator and they didn't enter into an agreement with the entity entity. And it's at this point that OJ kind of names it Jean Jacket. Right. After that horse. Which I get, like, Jean Jacket is fine for alliteration, but nothing's better than Sky Shark. Like, what are we doing? Sky Shark's pretty good. Yeah. Sky Shark, shark into the max, chewing up all your stuff, it's Sky Shark. I do love that, like, Paige just came up with, like, the theme song that Sky Shark would have if it was an 80s cartoon, and I'm here for it. Well, it's if it was Food Max. Food Max. Get into the zone. Food zone. <laughs> yeah, into the zone. Sharko zone. Yeah. I do love that like every company song has to be to the tune of AutoZone now. And that makes me very happy. <laughs> so at first the documentary guy is like, well, let's just get other horses and feed it to it. So it'll come out. And they're like, he's like, no, they're horse people. It's, don't. <laughs> I do love how it, that's the fries guy who says that. He's like, no, 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 no. They're, they're horse people. We can't, we can't suggest that. Like I've already floated that balloon. It did not go well. Didn't go well. And so he's like, well, then who's going to get this thing out of its trailer? And OJ is like, I can get him out. Where do you want him? So they lay out like a topographical map of the like valley and the ranch. Yeah, yeah. And they start kind of labeling where things are. And we get kind of a montage of the plan. So what they're going to do is they've stolen a bunch of batteries from all the cars at Jupiter's claim. And they stole all the like wacky wobblers from the car dealership. I love... And they're going to put them all across the valley. Yeah. So that they can see when they fall down, when the power is going out, they can see where it's at. I love this. This is so smart because they can visually see at a glance where right. he is above them. Based upon the wacky inflatable arms guys either being inflated or not inflated. And if they're not inflated, he's above them. Well, and also they have eyes. So because they have eyes, it looks like they're looking at him. Yeah. So he eats a couple of them. Yeah. So uh, we also see them sewing their clothes like she sews the reflectors onto the back of OJ's hood. She sews her kind of green outfit yeah. that has eyes kind of on the back of it. And the plan is for OJ to kind of do a run with the eyes up and kind of lead it to where they want to take a picture of it. Yeah. On a horse. This is also where he's like, I can break it. Like you would break a horse. Yeah, I can break it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think his plan is to using the eyes on the back of his head and he has the horse with blinders on. So the horse can't look up. I do love the way he's like explaining how that horse that he's going to ride gives the least fucks out of all of the remaining horses. And he like, right. like tests it like by making sounds close to it or whatever. And the horse is just like quietly quit his job is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So they set it up. They also set up like a video village kind of thing for the cameras. Yeah. And as they're looking out over the field on launch day, 
they like inflate all the inflatables and they see one go down and then they see it kind of go back up. And at first they're like, oh, maybe it was just a fluke. Maybe the battery isn't hooked up right. Yeah. But OJ knows and he's like, no, he's poking like he is. He's after this. And as they're looking at it, a motorcycle drives up and it is an electric motorcycle. We will find out. And oh, he has God. a reflective helmet, a lot like the horse. Yeah, he has that reflector thing that they showed the horse at the beginning, right? And that, right. that scared well, the yeah, horse. Like as a helmet, yeah. basically, yeah. Except there's one hole cut out for like an eye hole. And I was like, this is a bonkers helmet. I, I think that hole is a camera. Awesome. I'm here for that. Or, or for the camera. Or yeah. for the camera. Yeah, that could be. Either way, it's so cool. I love the way the TMZ character looks. It's wild. Yeah. Do you think he eats and shits with that hole? Yes. yes. Okay. I have a question. If you had to pick one hole to eat and poop out of, which hole are you picking? I think I'm going to keep it as my butt. Yeah. You got to eat in your butt and poop out your butt? I would definitely eat with my butt. Yeah, because I'm okay with not tasting food. I'm just really not okay with tasting poop. Yeah. Okay. Are you shitting with that mouth, Mikey? Is that what you're saying? I haven't thought about it. I'm thinking... Maybe like an ear. Anything that doesn't have taste buds, really, I think is acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this scenario, your taste buds don't taste poop. It like shuts down. I don't think I want to shit out my mouth. Just full stop. Then why are we even podcasting? <laughs> That's a long joke setup. <laughs> anyway, so this dude drives up looking like Daft Punk. He tells them that this entire section is blurry on Google Maps, which I think is really interesting because the cameras don't work, I'm guessing. I would assume so. Yeah. So he drives away. Even though Emerald tries tries to stop him, but he gets right underneath where the animal is and it just shuts his bike down and tosses him like 30 feet. Which I don't think that's what happens when a bike loses power. Like even an electric bike, I think it would just coast, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. I don't know. But it reacts like he hits an invisible brick wall. He goes like like the front wheel goes like into the ground and he flips off of the bike. Right. Like this kid is dead. Like he hits his neck on the way down. There's no way he's going to make it. And they're like, there's no way that guy is alive. And then they just hear like, help. <laughs> I love that part too. And then OJ, because OJ's a good guy. He like rides over to him to like sort of like try and help him. Right. And then the guy's like, did, right. you, did you guys get that on camera? Like, I love how all he's thinking about in this moment where he dies yeah. is like, did we get it? Did we get it on film? Can I sell this footage? Well, and his arms are broken and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And he asks OJ why he's not filming it. This whole thing. So, but as OJ is standing near him, he sees the other wacky wobbler. So he knows that it's right overhead. And he's like, I got to go and gets on the horse and leaves the guy to get sucked up by the entity. Yeah. But the sky shark. Yeah. The sky shark. And it eats a wobbler from the, the ground and eats the TMZ guy. Yeah. And OJ says, I'm going to do a run. And he puts his hood up and runs the course. And we watch as the little wacky wobblers collapse behind him. And the animal follows and the camera runs out of film. So they're like running to try and film it, like to fill new film canisters. Yeah. And that's the crank camera. Right. And they've got like real like reels like set up on like. Yeah. What looks like a World War Two like machine gun. They're like loading it on the side and like. Fun fact. That's an IMAX camera. No shit. Okay, cool. Yes. As as it cuts and turns around, you actually see IMAX on the side of it. So that is an IMAX camera. And then he's got the smaller one that's his, his hand crank. Okay, cool. I have a question about this scene. Sure. And we can talk about it as it rolls out, but he got all the shots with his hand crank camera. I think right? he did. I think he did. 
And he takes the hand crank with him when he gets sucked up. But I think the IMAX camera also has shots. Right. And it, it, it'll get shit out, too. I think so. Because um, it does eat like that whole tent. Which So I think the implication is it's, they don't have it. Like they got the shot, but uh, it ate it. But, but if it does spin it back out and they could save that film, they could have it. But I mean, who knows? Who knows? As OJ is riding, he deploys like a string of flags, which stops the animal. So he is like training it like a horse, like follow me, stop following me. Well, and he knows that it does not like flags because it associates flags with like that metal horse that he couldn't digest. Right. Right. And so he rides and bails out into the stables. Lucky keeps running. The alien kind of stops and he's like, oh, my God, it worked. Like we actually did this. So. They, in theory, have it on the little IMAX camera, but then the documentary filmmaker is like, all right, I'm now I'm getting my hand cam because th- this is how I'm going out. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to get that impossible shot if it kills me. And guess what? Yep. Well, and I think for him, he's like, here's this is how I want to go out. Yeah. Well, and what we discovered is that he, they cut out a subplot where he has like a terminal illness. Right. So like if you look at it through that lens, pun intended, I can either go out slowly to cancer, depending on the cancer, or I can go out like a fucking legend right now. <laughs> Like, I do understand why you might make that choice. Yeah, because I think in his mind, he's like, best case, I get the shot. Worst case, I die and I'm dying anyway. Yeah, I die six months earlier. Yeah. So uh, he climbs up the hill and it, of course, totally eats him and the camera tent. Yeah. And Angel narrowly escapes getting eaten because he gets wrapped up in a tarp with barbed wire that's attached to the fence. Yeah. So it kind of holds him to that fence so he survives. But he is like in the air. Like it, it looks like yeah. like from Twister or some shit where like it is trying to suck him up and it's he just can't <laughs> because he's like tied up in tarp and barbed wire. Yeah. And it moves over to the stables where Emerald is hiding. So now it's in between Emerald and OJ and it kind of sucks up part of the stable. So she's exposed. Yeah. And she has to kind of walk and not look at it. And she makes it to the bike, but it won't start because it's electric. Yeah. And it's above her. Yeah. As that's all happening, the animal starts to transform and kind of expand into this big flowy kind of thing. It looks like a pirate sail. Yes. I might have missed it. I've only seen it once and it was like two days ago at this point. So like, I don't remember seeing it transform into the sail. I remember it transforming back into like the UFO, like that we recognize throughout the whole movie. But it was like a very fast transition from it looking like what we've seen the whole movie to pirate sale. I was like, wait, what happened? I thought it was it sucked up the barbed wire and cut open. That's what I thought initially at first because it does look like it kind of deflates. And maybe that is what happened. But it could be a more aggressive stance. Maybe. I don't know because it's stomach is exposed at that point that square thing is its stomach Mm. so who knows who knows and it's eye it's its eye too it's like all of the holes there you go your favorite mikey a (laughs) cloyeka if you will so oj draws it away so that emerald can get on the bike yeah and she takes off towards jupiter's claim and she rides through the park dragging like police tape like flags and then pulling flags to release the Jupiter balloon man. And then she does like an Akira slide to the well on that bike, which looks dope as hell. <laughs> it's it's so cool. cool. Yeah. It is awesome. Yeah. And I was like, damn, she was right. She can do motorcycles. 
Yeah, she can. It looks amazing. Yeah. So as the balloon's floating and it's going to attack and eat the balloon, she is using that crank well that takes pictures straight up. So you're supposed to like lean over the well, take a picture. And she's using just like tokens she's finding on the ground trying to crank it. And as it moves over the well, she cranks it. She gets one shot of it as it eats the balloon, which then kills it. Yeah, dude, it flying away and then like the balloon exploding. And you see like parts of the balloon come out the top of it. And you're like, oh, damn, Mm -hmm. it killed it. Like that Burger Boy balloon or whatever it was legit just killed it. It's Jupiter. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. You're right. It's like a caricature of Jupe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so funny. So the news crews, And the police arrive. She's got her photo, though. She's got her photographic evidence as OJ rides through the park to her. And that's the movie. And they technically have the body if it lands. Yeah, if it falls to Earth. Yeah, it does fall to Earth. I I do think that they would have the body, although it would probably be the government would get that body quickly. Right. Right. So, I mean, but they would still have proof. And they have the Oprah shot, which is what they were trying to get the whole time. Yeah. Definitive proof that it exists, right? Yes. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about Nope? I really liked it. It was really fun. I, I, I liked it even better on a second watch. I liked it too. I think it's a rewatchable movie and like kind of like a fun horror movie. I was going to say that, Mikey. Even though parts of this really, really did scare me, I do think I could watch this again knowing that those parts exist and where they are and like all of that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just less scary on a second rewatch. But the movie is watchable. Like it is sort of fun. It's a big budget B movie with a great script. Like you never get yeah. those. And we have one now and it's awesome. Like I'm- we haven't had one since Malignant. Oh, shit. Oh, I love Malignant. <laughs> this is better than Malignant. It's way it's better, better than Malignant. Yeah. But it's got the vibe. Exactly. Yeah. But I will say, oh, shit. I think Malignant's better. I mean, I think Malignant <laughs> is more fun to watch. Because it Malignant's is just like crazier, shit yeah. insane. And I love every second of it. This one is just like a good movie that also is like a sort of a B-movie plot to it, which I like. It's good. You know what this movie was missing? Kikawa Shaw. <laughs> Detective Kikawa Shaw. If you listen back to that episode, you say his name, like full name, like government name every time every you time. say it. It's so funny to me. It's like one of those under, like oh. underserved bits. It's so funny. Anyway, Paige, you have some fun facts for us? I have a lot of fun facts. We're going to try and move through them fast. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Sky Aliens, Shark, fun, fun facts. Cloaca, fun facts. <laughs> so the early clip of a jockey riding a horse that in this movie, Emerald and OJ claim is their great-great-grandfather is actually a real animated series of photographs from 1878. And it is one of the first moving images ever. Yeah. Uh, And it's become known as Sally Gardner at a gallop. Sally Gardner is the name of the horse. There are two jockeys involved in the making of those photographs. They are listed as C. Marvin and G. Dom, but neither of their identities are actually known. Those are just names ascribed after. Nobody has identified them technically. Okay, so that story isn't necessarily true? It's not true. However, and, and people don't know if they were black. However, in those days, many jockeys were black. Um, 13 of the 15 jockeys racing at the first Kentucky Derby in 1875 were black. So it is actually more historically accurate for that jockey to be black. So it's very likely that he, that whoever is in those photos is. Cool. I, I really love that story. I, I really wanted it to be true. <laughs> yeah, I know. Edward Moybridge is referenced quite a bit as uh, 
taking the first motion picture of that jockey riding a horse. However, he was originally a renowned nature photographer and he was infamous for risking his life to take extremely dangerous shots, which was very difficult at the time because your camera had to sit longer to actually take photographs. Yeah. Later in life, he ended up on trial for murdering his wife's lover and pled that he was not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. And his defense was that no sane man would have gone to the lengths that he did to get photographs. Therefore, he was also not of sound mind when he murdered his wife's lover. <laughs> did That's that hold up? That seems like a stretch. Yeah. It, no, it didn't really hold okay. up. But the, the character of the documentary filmmaker is kind of based on him. Oh, okay. I mean, he did sort of seem insane then. I mean, that does sort of check out based on Antlers Holst, which is his name in the movie. Yes. Now, this next fun fact is something that I had to bring up because we talk about it every time we see it in movies. And this is one of the few times we have not been able to pick it out. Most of the night sequences in the films are during the day. Yes. Specifically those shot in Haywood's Field, where the horse pens are and all of the ridge and everything, were actually shot in the day with a rig built by cinematographer uh, Hoyt Van Hoyt. Oitema, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, they were shot with a 70 millimeter Panavision film camera and a digital ARRI Alexa 65 camera, as well as an IMAX camera. Um, and they've modified all the cameras to make it less sensitive to light. Uh, and they also used a 3D camera rig so they could take multiple images at once with all these different cameras. Yeah. And essentially, this isn't the first movie to do it. There's a lunar chase sequence in Ad Astra from 2019 that also uses this technique. And then the multiple images are composited together to make the night scenes bright without artificial moonlight. So that's why the night scenes in this look very visible, but are still definitely nighttime because they are actually shot during the day, which is really interesting and very difficult to do because it looks like nighttime. It does. It does. Normally when we bring this up, we're bringing it up because it looks bad. Right. This is a movie that does it and it looks very convincing. Not only convincing, I think it looks good because yeah. I, I feel like sometimes when you see night in movies, it can seem overly dark. Yeah. And I'm sure Jordan Peele knows this because... He is, you know, African-American, so he knows how to light people with darker skin tones. It's really hard to light them convincingly at night because you have to put more light on them than you would typically have to put on them like during the day. And that can sometimes cause like reflections of the light. Like you'll see it on a cheek. It'll be like shiny at one point, you know. Um, so that kind of stuff is hard to avoid. But shooting it this way, which is a technique I've not I don't have the gear to do this. But yeah, very few people do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's a much better way or much more effective way to both get like the clouds that you need to see because they're plot the points. The depth of the sky, yes. But also the skin tones, because everyone looks great in this movie, and that's so hard to do yeah. at night if you're shooting actually at night. So this is actually not the first time that Jordan Peele has done something like that specifically to shoot darker skin tones correctly. Yeah. Many people don't know this, but you learn it now, I guess. Part of the way that people set up shots and lighting is with color correction cards. Yeah. Um, there's digital <laughs> versions of it now. Yeah. But there were not color corrector cards for darker skin tones up until like the 80s and 90s was yeah. when they started doing that because they literally did not put enough like people with darker skin on camera to make it worth their time because of racism anyway. So it has been 
an ongoing evolution in the film industry to find ways to shoot darker skin in a way that looks natural to darker skin. Yeah. And not just to apply the way that you shoot lighter skin onto a darker skinned person. This was exceptionally important in the movie Get Out because Daniel Kaluuya has darker skin and they wanted to make sure that it looked authentic to him and that his skin tone showed true while still being able to light everyone else and shoot things at night. And so I think this is actually an evolution of Jordan Peele learning how to do it even better because everyone in this movie looks natural and the the camera work looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it is does. really a credit to how much attention he is paying that he is taking steps to make sure that people look good on camera. That's important. Yeah. And it shows like it, it made a difference in this movie. It does. So Kiki Palmer's first scene where she does the speech on set about her great grandfather Uh, They did 14 takes of it, and every single take was different. She did it 14 different ways. Wow. Okay, cool. And then they just chose one, which is pretty fun. Yeah, cool. So Jupe, Stephen Stephen Wynn's character, has a large pair of metal scissors on his desk, and they're the same ones from Us. So he has a pair of Us scissors on his desk. Nice. Okay, cool. So uh, I kind of briefly mentioned this, but Fry's Electronics closed all of its locations nationwide on February 24th, 2001, prior to them filming this movie. And they kept the one in Burbank. They kept the building as is so they could shoot this and then recreated the interior. So many people initially theorized that this movie might involve an alien invasion, believing that the title of the movie was an acronym for Not of Planet Earth, which it still very well may be. Yeah, I mean, that still works because Sky Shark is not from Earth. Right. Jordan Peele has commented that he wanted to name it after what he thought people's reactions would be to the film. Which I think is kind of pretty accurate, too. Yeah, I think he uses the title of the film twice convincingly in ways that I think people would actually <laughs> say it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, this is the for- first horror film to be filmed with an IMAX camera. Now, something unique about IMAX cameras is they actually take film. Yeah. If you if you aren't aware, movies are made a couple different ways, but a lot of them are made digitally today. IMAX is one of the few that's still on film. And then there are certain people who choose to continue to shoot on film. Quentin Tarantino notoriously is one of them. So this is also the first Jordan Peele movie to be shot on film. And it's because it was shot on IMAX. Yeah. But previously he's worked digitally. I I don't know if he's going to continue to work on film. I think this movie, I think it really did a service to this movie. This movie looks so good. It does really look great. It's beautiful. So Emerald and OJ wear green and orange respectively because it is tied to their names. So Emerald wears green, OJ wears orange for orange juice. So now if you haven't had a chance to go see on Jordan Peele's Twitter, the Gordy's home trailer and title sequence, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of fun foreshadowing in that sequence that doesn't actually make it into the movie that basically foreshadows what happens. So like we see the aftermath they filmed this completely separate piece that they only used for promo, uh, but it's basically what the opening of the Gordy show would have been. It's pretty fun. Okay, cool. So uh, They reference a cowboy film called Buck and the Preacher from 1972 in this movie um, because according to Jordan Peele, it was the first time that he had seen black cowboys represented because it's a myth that all cowboys were white. That's a very one-sided version of history. And so he very much wanted that to have an influence on the film. Um, So uh, Stephen Wen is great in this, but he almost was not 
the character of Jupe. Originally, that was offered to Jesse Plemons. Really? Which would have been super interesting as well. Like, I like I have no problem with the way Stephen Wynn did this, but Jesse Plemons would have been pretty amazing. Uh, but he actually had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. Now, on Angel's Fry's Electronics truck, there's a series of numbers that say FE1111. Uh, FE stands for Fry's Electronics. Uh, but 1111 is a reference to us and Jeremiah 1111, which is the scripture that they repeatedly reference in us. This is the third Jordan Peele film in a row to reference scripture as a plot point, oddly enough. Yeah, it seems like something he likes to do. Now, interestingly enough, Jeremiah 1111 is, I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. So it also kind of applies to this movie. It does sort of fit. Yeah. Yeah. So when... Jupe is first describing the Gordy attack. He tells them that it lasted six minutes and 13 seconds. Um, at the show, he says that he first saw the alien six months ago at 6.13 p.m. The implication being that there's some sort of greater purpose happening where everything is happening at the same time for him. But Jordan Peele hasn't discussed this. But that is the case in the movie. Okay. So those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. By the way, the cinematographer for this movie, you mentioned his name earlier. It's like Hoyt Van Hoytema. Hoytema. I probably yeah. butchered that. Sorry. And But he was the cinematographer for Ad Astra, which is the, the technique right. was used before mm-hmm. in Ad Astra. And his next job, he went from Nope to Oppenheimer. So I sort oh, of can't I wait to see, see Oppenheimer, how good that though. looks. I know. I bet Oppenheimer is going to look great. Ad Astra was... Really pretty, but the movie was ugh. yeah. But I mean, the cinematographer doesn't have much to do with the story. But if it's pretty, no, that's it his was job. Very well shot. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm a fan of his work. Never heard his name until you mentioned it. But I like what he does. But let's talk some box office. So, uh, what do you think the production budget was for Nope? Uh, and it came out this year. I bet this was expensive. I'm going to say this cost $80 million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? I'm going to say 45 All right. You guys are on either side of it. Paige, I think you're technically closer, though. It's $68 million, which... That makes sense. Yeah, I buy that. because Especially because they shot all of this on film, and it was IMAX And on film. IMAX yeah. film, specifically. Yeah. Okay. So, this movie premiered on July 22nd, 2022. It was number one the week it came out. Number two was Thor, Love and Thunder. Number three was Minions, The Rise of Gru. Number four was Where the Crawdash Sings. Uh, And number five was Top Gun Maverick. What do you think Nope made in its opening weekend? Oh, it like made box office records. Like this movie was blowing shit out of the water. So I'm going to say it makes 80 its first weekend. Okay. I'm going to say 50. Okay. Mikey, you are closer it made $44.3 million in its opening weekend. Uh, now, it's still in theaters, so this number will change. So when you're listening to this, it'll be more than this. But what yeah. do you think it made domestically at the box office as of the time of our recording, which is September 6th? Like 120. Okay. I want to say it was 150 last I checked. Paige, I bet you're going to be correct when it goes out of theaters. But as of right now, it is exactly $120.7 million. So, Mikey, you were like Uh... almost exactly right. Internationally, it's made a total of $38.8 million for a total of $159.6 million as of today. Now, again... It's still in theaters. So that number will go up until it's out of theaters. I mean, it's literally only been in the box office for seven weeks. 
and it's done very well. The lowest it's gotten in the rankings is 11th. So it's still doing pretty well in the theaters. Well, I hope he keeps making a lot of films because I really like his voice. Oh, he will. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, scary scale listeners is how scary we found the film today. It's a scale of 1 to 10. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige! Uh, I mean, this was a 1 for me today. I would say in the theaters, it was like a 2. Todd? I saw it in theaters, too. So that probably is going to skew my number a little higher than it would have been if I just watched it on my big TV upstairs. But I gave it a four because there were parts that like scared me. I was covering my eyes. Very tense. Didn't love it. I'm going to give it a three because I got I got really freaked out during the aliens and the barn thing. I was Dang. like, you got real signs vibes for a second. Route. Yes, exactly. Until he punches that kid. And then I was just laughing, which is fun. Scott, signs scared the shit out of me in the theaters. And so did this, all that sound design and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this is like a million times better than signs, though. Yeah. yeah. And that's your scary scare. Yeah. So this week, you guys made us watch Nope. What are you making us watch next week? So we have an extra week this month. It is still new release month. So we wanted to pick something that actually came out in 2021. Dashcam. Mikey, you really liked it a lot. This was kind of your pick. Yeah, I liked it. It's I like found footage. I liked it that the main character was insufferable. And that made it interesting for me for some reason. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess your homework for next week is to watch a movie where you hate the protagonist. And hope she dies in dash cam. I've not seen it. I have no idea. But yeah. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Uh, no. I. Well, while you're looking at one up, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast. And that is to leave us a five-star text review. And we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? Great question, Todd. Thanks for bringing it up. Why, thank you. I'm going to read Ragnar Rocket Ship, which is an interesting... <laughs> That's pretty funny. I love that name. So... What does Ragnar Rocket Ship have to say? They say we were robbed. Mikey, Todd might not care about Maul. Oh, Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but I do. You're right, and you should say it. It's bogus. He's re-dead. Okay. This guy's agreeing with me, so I'm doubling down on this review. I like how you hated the review at the beginning, and now you're so on board for it. I was like, who's Maul? And then I was like, oh, Darth Maul, my buddy. (laughs) Five stars. Well, Ragnar Rocket Ship, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want Mikey to read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If if you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever 
you might send to a P.O. box. It's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager's been driving her crazy. So how has Tia's teenager been driving her crazy? She keeps vomiting blood all over the house. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, and when you say all over the house, you mean like outside the house. Yeah, Yeah, when she vomits around the house, she really vomits around around the the house. house. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, I actually did see in the Facebook group that her teenager was mad at her. Oh, for getting the wrong Starbucks Yes, I did see that. Yeah, so... Well, next time she gets no Starbucks Exactly. Drink. That should be your punishment, Tia. Anyway, thank you so much for the support. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan. And Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some spooky spider videos. So I'm going to do that now. Can you guys see my screen? Oh, yeah. And I, I already don't like it. There's bug spray has entered the chat. Yeah, bug spray in the chat there. Oh, here we go. But the video is called Immortal Spider. That's the only text Jonathan sent me when he sent me this. Oh, no. Oh, that's oh, a, oh, oh no. Oh my god. No, no, no. Oh no. my god. No, no. The spider is chasing the guy who is spraying it with like bug spray. Oh, and it, it is unaffected. Uh you gotta light a match in front of that thing if you're gonna go that oh, route. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to light this thing on fire. No, I can't watch that's this again. That's huge. That yes. looks like a wolf spider. Like a big old wolf spider. You can claim that spider is a deduction on your taxes. It's that big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your roommate now. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much for that awesome, spooky spider video and for the support. We love you so much. Uh, we now return you to another episode of The, the Patreonicals. It's dinosaur times. Oh, yeah. That's right. They're making a city in dinosaur times. And... In the distance, an atomic bomb goes off. And then okay. out of the forest walks Mr. Rage Bomb. Uh-oh, someone's back. And he's like, you guys left me in dinosaur times. Fucking piss me off, man. I've been blowing shit up out here. <laughs> All right. And then he also brings a-, a cave woman with a club. And she doesn't speak a lot of English, but her name's Lauren. Okay. Mrs. Rage Bomb. Oh, wait, they're married? I mean- not like it's a common law because they were just sharing a cave. He kind of keeps the, the the cave clean and she like hunts and does all the stuff because she's like lived in that time. Okay, cool. So Cody from the pawn shop was like, hey, what's up, man? I'm, I'm Cody. Uh, I heard you were just a, a, a person who can blow up in various different explosion levels. And I heard you have a short fuse. <laughs> and so him and Cody and Bo Easy have become really good friends and they're building a city. Uh, and so those three built a giant pawn shop in a tree like... <laughs> Like their whole, it's kind of like Sherwood Forest, but with uh, with dinosaurs and shit. Okay. The the Mun clones have been put to work to help them build build all this stuff, and they guard the. They're like little foot soldiers now. They have like a whole little society. So Libby and Danielle and Aaron, they've done a lot of the building of the city. So most people have kind of put them in charge. Uh, Isaac and Karun go out and hunt brontosauruses to eat because they're not super aggressive and they're very big and they can feed everyone. Oh, yeah. You could probably eat a brontosaurus for a month. Like, it, it would take a long time to eat all that sweet, sweet bronto meat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Meanwhile, no one knows Wes made the trip back in time. Back in time! time! Hell yeah. The Mun women have kept him 
hidden for snoo snoo yeah for snoo snoo there he keeps oh, birthing God. all the mun clones and he can't have a he's still in this withered up Voldemort body because all of the babies steal all his nutrients okay they do do that and then you bring them Starbucks and they're like this isn't the right Starbucks rude we're talking to you Tia's daughter Scott who's made of the thing he's learned yoga and he's doing a lot of yoga olden times that rocks for him <laughs> get it that does rock uh shining donut has made custard traps along the they have like a, a big wooden wall around the like the tree city uh new dinotopia yeah and the it's made of a moat of custard <laughs> that is one delicious moat it's sticky there's giant prehistoric ants everywhere oh that they would do that though that's gross yeah you're right but you know who's swimming in it Allie the mermaid oh that is Disgusting. at the same time gross and awesome I guess I don't think you could swim through it it would just be like you like trying not to like die as you swim like mm -hmm. oh okay Jennifer with a PH comes out and she announces that her and Shining Donut are now expecting a child oh wow things escalated quickly for them there's been a time jump there's like been like a like a four or five month time jump okay alright cool but it's kind of like Flintstones like they're using animals like as machines and stuff sometimes like the, they'll put the beak on the record player and they can play the records <laughs> when it's time to close up the pawn shop they pull that bird's tail and it like makes the sound yeah <laughs> yeah yeah nathan the professional wrestler he wrestled a raptor and lost but he was rescued just in time just in time for the end of the episode and then Dreskel comes up to Jeremy with the laser eyes and he's like, why do you look so sad? And he's like, my laser eyes have nothing to burn. What is my purpose in life? And then Dave being nice is like, you can burn me. And then so Jeremy kills him with his laser eyes. So he feels better. But Jeremy said that that was unfulfilling and that he needs to find his purpose in life. And that's the end of the episode. Well, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find out if Jeremy finds his purpose in life on another episode of The, the Patrioticals. And that's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it oogie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Sky shark nerds.